This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back. This is uh, Stanford Chidge, and of course, this is the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, part two, part two of 50 years of Chelsea, uh, the season that we're doing is 2005 to 2006. And we left you at the end of part one uh, with Chelsea, top of the league, where they had been pretty much from the start of the season. They're 11 points clear on 55 points, and uh, they're a good 11 points above Man United. And uh, They've only uh, they've only lost one game and and drawn one game uh, and the rest they've all won. So uh, you know we're doing well. So we're all pretty hopeful of getting a back to back title, which is the the name of the game. Now uh, the new year uh, kicks off Monday the second of January with an away match against our friends from the east, uh, West Ham United. And before I start talking about that, I should uh, reintroduce my lovely colleagues on the uh, on part two uh, and they are of course the lovely Jonathan Kidd oh lovely to be on the show Chidge thank you so much marvellous be rude not to have invited you back for part two really wouldn't it possibly foolish foolish would have been a better word actually yes fucking no continuity at all (laughs) it's quite funny actually over Christmas um, I was watching a, a movie I think it was Mary Poppins uh, I was being made to watch it by my niece. So, yeah, so clearly bored. I, I started pointing out continuity errors to her. Yes. And she, yes. Start, she kind of gave me that. She's 13 years old. You'll know all about this. As a, whether, yeah. she, she, your, your daughter's about 13, isn't she? She's 13. So you'll know exactly what I mean. It's the sideways look. The look like you're a real dick, Uncle David. You know, basically that was the look. You know, so I, I shut up and wandered off and had another drink somewhere else. Anyway, enough of my Christmas. Uh, we've also got the absolute brain, the brainiac of the Chelsea fan cast and a very lovely bloke to boot. And also, I should add, I should add the chairman of the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Absolutely. The wonderful Mark Meehan. 
Good evening, everybody. Thanks very much for that lovely introduction. So if you're watching Mary Poppins over Christmas, was it the original version or the remake? It was the original version. And I well, think... the original. That's good, because that's a good segue into the first game we're going to talk about. Jim, well, had... yeah. Mark, it's, uh, you're a genius. Because, of course, everybody oh, wow. was everybody yeah. was singing the yes. songs. Everybody was yeah. singing the songs. Yeah. So yeah. I piped up with Chim Chimini, Chim Chimini, Chim Chim Chiru. We hate those bastards in Clara and Blue. <laughs> And my mum gave me a filthy look. Of course. And I said, but mum, those are the words. (laughs) (laughs) We were on exactly the same page. We were indeed. Anyway, as uh, Mark has brilliantly teased for you, yes, uh, the first game of the the new year was against West Ham. Away, of course. uh, 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 Upton Park in those days still. uh, And a pretty unsavoury place to go uh, even then. Um, Can I ask a question? They'd moved the pitch, hadn't they, towards... Because um, at one stage, when they rebuilt the the main stand, the, the there was an enormous well, with the cut with the castles with the plastic castles at the front of the ground. You mean that that stand? Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That they rebuilt it so that it was never... only in West Ham could they have those plastic castles. It was awful, wasn't it? it yeah, I suppose it, but it matched the badge. They got rid of the castles. It's like so mock Tudor Essex mansions. It seems so I fitting. Say, the, the plasticity of it didn't didn't really. They weren't really plastic, but they looked it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I presume they were plastic. No, that wasn't my my problem. I was always just phased by the fact that the pitch was they they they'd obviously built the stand with a view to then knocking down the other stand yeah. and pushing that closer. So you always had this enormous area between the stand and the where the pitch started because they hadn't they hadn't moved mm. the pitch. It just was, and also the proximity of of all the uh, the West Ham fans to you as a, in the in the away end was such that you. You could actually have a conversation with a West Ham fan. Well, you could if they spoke English intimately for ninety minutes. But most of it, yeah, most of it involved them slitting their throats and yeah, uh, yeah. and making rather obscene gestures at you for the whole of the game. I found the the fact that you could not ever watch the game and just constantly abuse somebody um, required a lot of concentration. Actually, yeah, another yeah. point, of course, was that the team we'd lost to, the um, team we'd drawn against, um, Everton away at Goodison, which had interrupted our. Uh, our um, uh, ability to be uh, to, to win every game were bottom at the time, which was a wonderfully Chelsea thing to have done during the season. I thought that was uh, that was uh, um, uh, a, a typical Chelsea thing. Even when we're we're miles away, we still managed to to cock up against yeah, the bottom. Re- kind of restored my faith in Chelsea at a time when we were we were not we were not doing. <coughs> Excuse me, daft things like that. Now it, it stopped us being cocky. I always did. find these things stop you, you know, because you think we're great. Oh, we're not as great. As anyway, we won three one, which was very uh, well. I mean, of the, at the time, very Chelsea like because we, of course, we were rather jolly good. Uh, Lampard opened the scoring on twenty five to shut all the West Ham boo boys down. Uh, Marlon Harewood, uh, the ex offender, was he? I don't know. Maybe I can't remember he'd gone to prison by that stage. But anyway, he scored on the stroke of half time. Uh, Hernan Crespo scored on 61 minutes. He scored actually 30 seconds. 30 after, seconds. Yeah, 30 seconds after coming on. Talk about a good substitution. Drogba scored on 83-1. It was great finish by Drogba, by the way, Mark, wasn't it? One touch, boom, far corner, yeah, lovely goal. No, very much so. Watching the game again um, this morning, I think, is it is it Tommy Langley that's doing the commentary? 
or was it Jason Connor? I can't no, I remember. Think I can't remember either, actually. Yeah. yeah but on. yeah, they actually, Jason at this era. Yeah, J- Jason Jace. does a lot of it. Tommy, Tommy Langley does some some of the games at this time as well. And it, yeah, it was Tommy Langley because a striker described him striker's goal. And it just says how well Drogba takes a goal and hits it. I think the other part as well is obviously Lampard scores after 25 minutes. And clearly, you know, there were no fans of his having seen him depart three years earlier to a sort of bigger club. And just that, that beautiful moment where he sort of half volleys it in, where they probably spent the first 25 minutes singing about one man couldn't carry, couldn't carry Frank Lampard, one man and his forklift truck. Just, <laughs> the amount of times he just shut them up when they're probably mid-song by scoring a goal against him. Frank got a few goals against West Ham. He I know did. we talked about last season, show when he missed a penalty and gave him a low stick, but the amount of times he just came back and just quieting them down just by putting the ball in the net, which is the best thing to do when anyone's on your back. It certainly is, and a good way to shut up West Ham. Um, This was, of course, uh, Drogba's last game for Chelsea uh, until the middle of February because he was just about to go off to the African Nations Cup in Egypt with Geremai, Jonathan. Uh, Luckily, well, I say luckily, I mean, Michael Essien, uh, who was beginning to get into his stride for Chelsea by this stage, um, he got injured in this game, so he therefore didn't. He missed the nation, uh, African Cup of Nations, which is a good thing. Um, and around this time, Wayne Bridge got loaned out to Fulham because he needed some game time. Uh, and we bought uh, the diminutive, uh, white-booted, Alice-banded Manish uh, from Porto, uh, who had won the Champions League with Mourinho, uh, as cover for Sen, because of course Sen uh, was um, basically banned from the next round of the Champions League, if you remember, and we had Barcelona to come in February. So dear old Manish turns up. More of him in a minute. Anyway, after the uh, the what is the New Year's Day fixture, technically, uh, the first weekend of January, as we all know, is the FA Cup Round 3. And this time, Chelsea were pitched against uh, lowly Huddersfield, weren't they, Mark? But they were, uh, and... A thing that repeats itself quite often um, is we made hard work of some of our FA Cup ties under Mourinho at Stamford Bridge. Um, we start on off well. Um, Carlton Cole makes his first appearance of the season and worked hard to sort of put us in the lead. Diara, Mini Makaleli, makes his debut as well. But Huddersfield equalised with about 20 minutes ago and then Ida has to get us a let go. But I thought the best moment of all this actually precedes the game. And ironically, we were talking about it before the game against Bournemouth the other day. Um, we were chatting on the sort DJ about the football factory. And there's that absolutely iconic moment in the football factory that everyone remembers and everyone repeats it every year when the third round... Millwall away! Millwall away! <laughs> and obviously Frank Harper you know, is in the pub. Um, but there's a bit of life uh, imitating art that this year for the third round of the FA Cup, and bearing in mind this is a year after... The football factory came out. Peter Osgood does the FA Cup draw. Yeah, I know, you, you wonder whether people at the BBC had watched the football factory. So, <laughs> oh yeah, we should get we should get Aussie to do the draw. And it would be just great if they'd had Frank Harper doing the draw with him. And Frank Harper just sort of going, like, yeah, when the ball comes out, I just feel yes. Fucking yes. Fucking yes. <laughs> 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 uh, nice, nice, uh, nice spot. I mean, it was a. It, JK, you've got a question. I just want to say, do you think the reason, in fact, that we always had a kind of sticky if we were playing somebody in the third or fourth round 
um, who were from a lower division was it was always a bit sticky because he never selected a particularly good side. He always gave everybody a go. I mean, all right, they were top standard, but nonetheless, they always. Shall, always shall I read? Shall I read the team out? Yes, this will this will tell me that in fact it was a decent side, other than Cole and Diara, who are decent players. Okay, but Kudachini, um, yeah. replacement, is, not, not the real one. Yeah, Kudachini is quite often the the cup goalkeeper. Uh, yeah, yeah, true, true, true. Glenn Bad Johnson. Yeah, once again, you know, Ricky yeah, Carvalho. Yeah, that's good. Joe Cole. You're good. Yeah, you're good. Damien Duff. Oh, fantastic. Replaced by Iron Robin on 72 minutes. Yeah, who then put in Johnson to score. Yeah, yeah. Colton Cole. Yeah, mm, yeah. Wayne Bridge hadn't gone to Fulham yet. Uh, no. Replaced by Azir Del Horno on 77 minutes. Mm, yeah. Uh, Lasana Diara. Ida Good Johnson. Yeah. Sean Wright Phillips. Yeah. Paolo well, Ferreira. Well. Yeah, Robert yeah, yeah. Hooth. Yeah, yeah, and Hooth wasn't great. But so in a sense, you're missing in a sense, you're, uh, you're missing Drogba, who's on African Nations Cup duty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frank Lampard, John yeah. Terry, really, and Czech. I'm talking bollocks. Yeah. Not really, not really. Ish. No, no, I, no, a little bit, because I'd say that's still quite a strong side. But you can't say that a side that's missing Czech, Lampard, Terry, Drogba, who then become the, the the spine of the team for yeah. the next god. True, true, yeah. true, true. So, I, I think true. you make a slightly valid point. Slightly valid, but yeah. not as valid as it could be because they were all pretty good. Cole was actually looking pretty good when he came, Carlton Cole, when he played. And Diara, we, the, the jury was out on Diara a bit. We thought that the, the idea very was young. better and better, but he was very young and it never, yeah. he never quite managed to get it together ultimately. Um, but um, never, but yes. nevertheless, 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 Huddersfield were, I think they were in what in old money, third, third division, weren't they? So we should have we should have dispatched them. I mean, we made hard work of it. That's the point. I mean, Cole put us up on twelve minutes, pretty decent goal actually. Uh, Taylor Fletcher equalised for them on seventy-two minutes. So for seventy odd minutes, we hadn't actually put them to bed. And then Ida, uh, after a really good cutback from Robin, kind of sealed their fate on eighty-two minutes. We made hard work of it. I think is is a fair assessment. Anyway, back to league business uh, after that, uh, and we we go up to Sunderland. Talking about making hard work of it, we go down uh, 1-0 on 12 minutes thanks to Liam Lawrence with a terrible clearance uh, by JT, it has to be said. He basically headed it straight into his path. Uh, Crespo equalises on 28 minutes with a wonderful poacher's goal. Joe Kroll uh, kind of uh, kind of crosses it and it or bashes it across the six-yard box and Crespo's there to head it in. Robin uh, then scores a lovely, as JK, I can see almost oh. now, he's just drooling with, with love. Salivating, salivating. Yeah, because it's classic, classic Robin goal on the right, classic. cuts into the left, bends it into the top corner. He then jumps into the away end, literally <laughs> jumps into the away end to celebrate. And then, uh, thanks to referee, which is that odious prick, Chris Foy, he gets sent off. He had already got a yellow earlier on, so he was on a yellow card, and uh, Foy sends him off for celebrating. Unbelievable. Um, this, by the way, was 10 consecutive league wins in a row for Chelsea, which set a new record for us. Um, anything to say about that match, boys? I wonder if either of you, of you were there, actually. JK, were you there? Yeah. I was there, yes, yes. It, it's... it's um, uh, it, sunk into the recesses of time but i remember crespo scoring and the the delight and the and robin's goal will stay with me forever because i will i keep going on about this but 
you know, this was the kind of goal that he then replicated for Madrid and Bayern Munich again and again and again. And what a talent he was. What a completely wonderful player. But this, sending him off for celebrating, I mean, all right, it's the it's the law. And I suppose Foy didn't, couldn't do much about it because you're not allowed to go into the crowd and he had been booked. But I felt at this period that they were getting more and more um, uh, disciplinarian against Chelsea. I felt that they there was an agenda beginning to take place against the club. Well, I have you right, JK, and uh, there is a pattern of which this is the first instance, isn't it, Mark? Yep, we're going to talk about it over the next couple of hours, more than one red card against Chelsea in, in the second half of the season. I just thought it was a silly red card. I know people sort of say, well, you're not meant to go in the crowd. He didn't he go, didn't go in the crowd. crowd. He, did. yeah, he, he jumped over the advertising boarding. But he, he was standing up against the fence, and that you see that all the time. All the time. All the time. If you look, you look back, countless times, especially at Stamford Bridge, with the closeness of the Matthew Harding and the shed to the pitch and the, the players, countless times players celebrate a goal by running over to the fans, right up against them. Fans, you know, put their arms around them. It was no different what Robin had done. That had happened countless times at Stamford Bridge during the course of the season. Very, very petty yellow card, which subsequently therefore makes it a red. Yeah, totally. He hadn't right. take, he had, not as if he'd taken his shirt off. If he'd taken his shirt off and done. Yeah, if he'd taken his shirt off, yeah, that would be. You know, but I, ju- I just thought it was a petty red card. Well, there you go. Um, nevertheless, we still uh, we're we're, in, we're you know we we won quite comfortably, I think, really. But uh, a bit of Robin Class managed to. Uh, to make that so uh, at least it means he wouldn't be banned because of course it was a second yellow and I presume he hadn't accumulated enough points by then uh, probably just as well really because the next game at home on paper looks like it should be an easy win for Chelsea it's Charlton Athletic however Charlton Athletic uh, knocked us out of the, Car- uh, the Carling Cup earlier in the season um, they they didn't beat us though as Mourinho was very quick to point out because it was 1-1 after extra time guess what this one also ends at 1-1 uh, it also happens to be the only points we dropped at home all season. So Charlton become a, a bit of a thorn in our side. Uh, good they John. Bad, they, they were bad, they bad. were good. I mean, actually, I, I should tell you where they were in the table, which might make things a little bit uh, more salient. Actually, they're they're mid. They're, they're kind of where they nearly always were. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They're eleventh. So they had been a lot higher than that. So they're comfortably mid table. I think it was the, this hope because they'd been second a couple of times yeah. that caused the rebellion within the uh, the supporters to t- get a better manager yeah. than Kirby, which was their their uh, their downfall. Ultimately, they should have been happy with the where they were managing to achieve. They should know their place. Mid, well, I don't mid mid table, mate. I don't mean that. I mean, I just think if you're going to maintain that, you can then build on that as the seasons come. You, you don't. Uh, they threw the baby well, out. you know, be careful what you wish for. Classic, yeah, classic case. Um, the baby out this was a rather weird game, actually. I mean, Good Johnson opened the scoring on 19 minutes. Uh, and we were, you know, Marcus Bent equalised on 59 minutes. Um, this was Manish's debut, by the way. Uh, but the, 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 the notable thing, really, was was Carvalho getting sent off on 81 for a second, a second yellow. I think he fouled, he fouled Bent twice, actually. Uh, I think it was Bent he fouled. But, uh, so there were really no complaints, actually, it has to be said. But I say that, and I looked at it as impartially as I could, but as Mark and JK were both saying, is this a be- beginning of a bit of a pattern? Is this the beginning of an agenda? The second game in a row, Chelsea player gets sent off, Mark. 
yeah, second yellow. Um, can't really argue with it. It was it was a foul, but again, you do begin to wonder. Yeah, we're picking up red cards in consistent games, and it'll follow. There's a pattern forming here. Yeah, uh, and I think the other thing as, as well is you know the frustrating thing about was that was the only point we drop at home during the course of this season. Yeah. We could have gone the whole season winning every single game at home in the league. Yeah. Well, somebody... And I think I think if Cavalli had stayed on the pitch last 10 minutes, we had a habit of scoring late goals. So a bit, bit of a frustration here that, yeah, we didn't take all three points. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, just to add fuel uh, or put petrol on the flames of JK's agenda theory, I'm going to add, add a little bit more petrol to this one because we then go to Villa away. Uh, it's a 1-1 draw. Uh, Iron Robin scores after 14 minutes. Uh, Moore scores on 77 minutes to equalise. Um, however, there was an absolutely blatant foul on Iron Robin and it was not given as a penalty. And when I, when I say blatant, he's running down the left-hand side. Actually, do you know what? I've gone completely delally because I've managed to miss the FA Cup one. Sorry, you that, have, that's you my have. fault. My fault for fanning about with... Uh, with um, I know what it is. It's uh, it's my mouse. I'm blaming the mouse. A, bla- a bad workman always blames his mouse, uh, so that's what I'm going to blame. Yeah, we'll get to Villa in a minute. Uh, we got the FA Cup, uh, the fourth round, uh, and we're away at Everton. Um, this was classically irritating in terms of an Everton match. Uh, big Dunk uh, Ferguson was was playing for them in those days, but uh, it wasn't him who scored. It was McFadden who put them ahead after 36 minutes. Thankfully, Lampard equalised on 73 minutes. The other notable thing about this, J.K., I presume you were there, was a was a, a. I mean, Crespo missed a sitter, which would have obviated the need for a replay. Yes, yes. I, I remember it well, except I can't remember it. Yeah, but, I mean, it was irritating, is, is how I would recall yes. that match. But uh, it was... I but mean, it was always tricky going up always. to Wilson Park. Always. always. Anyway, back to Villa, which I uh, basically preempted a minute ago yeah robin scored on 40 minutes uh 14 minutes more equalized on 77 as i said there was a blatant foul on oh. iron robin he was like going down the left hand side of the penalty area and the bloke just kind of kicked his shin and took his legs away uh but the referee in his infinite wisdom that would be rob styles no penalty so i what what why not what was happening at the time as well was that um because there were the these um, scurrilous rumours that he was diving everywhere is that every time... Rumours from whom? From... Um, the press? Uh, the media. The media. So the yes. media are basically already now, having built Chelsea up, are now knocking them down. Yes. Well, they were, they, they, I suppose to an extent they, they want to have a more competitive Premier League, but... Um, um, and we know that... that there were all these rumblings about Roman Abramovich's money. So, uh, um, and and it also, as you've as we've said in the past, it it gets in the way of w- what the the existing power um, um, setup was of having Arsenal, Liverpool being the major teams. And so, there's always going, there are always going to be these objections, and so many people in the media support Liverpool anyway. But um, what appeared to be happening was when he did fall over in the penalty area. In this instance, he was absolutely upended there was no diving going on because he'd been connected with as his injuries tend, tended to inform inform one that he had been fouled is the player then gets very low into his face and it accuses him of cheating 
So an incident is there brewing with the possibility that he'll be sent off because he'll retaliate. So it's a it's a it's a concerted effort by opposition as well to attempt to um, to wind him up and to uh, um, get the referee to to send people off. And we will discover this again happens with Robin a bit later on. It does well, where, where they're they're trying to wind him up as much as possible because they've worked out that he is a complete match winner for the club. Yeah. Uh, they, and you they could don't... actually effectively say that it drives him out of the club. Well, ultimately, I think there's a there's a case to be made for that. The other the other thing about this match, Mark, it, it now means that having you know set a new record uh, of ten consecutive <clears throat> league wins uh, when we beat Sunderland away a few weeks before, we've now uh, gone three games drawing each one one one. So that's no wins in three, as the press labelled it. Who also labelled it a wobble. Is is this when Ferguson starts doing his Devon Lock bullshit again? Uh, I think it was around about the time Ferguson started this. But the, the remarkable thing about it as well is, that although yeah, we've had that period of, sort of like drawing. I mean, we're we're, like, on, we're only fifteen points ahead of United. I, I just took the words right out of my mouth. I was actually <laughs> say Sorry, that. mate. Uh, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's like yeah, we we drawn sort of three games in a row. Although one of them was an FA Cup game, but we after this game we were fifteen points clear. So post January, we'd actually increased our lead to fifteen points. Uh, and, and Marino comes back many occasions from here on in where he just says the number of wins we need to get yeah. between now and then the season to win the title. So he was very much focused yeah. on you know, picking the moment when we'd sort of like get back-to-back titles. Yeah. Pressure? What pressure? Oh, we'll, come, we'll come to pressure as well. Is, this yeah. is not when he starts talking about swans, is it? Oh, that's to come, yet. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll shut up. I'll worry. say nothing about the swans. Then. Yeah, the, swan, the swans will be there. I'll, yeah. I'll, okay, all right. Anyway... Uh, Next match up is a home match against Liverpool, who are kind of our uh, becoming our, our our big rivals. Really, the whole Mourinho and uh, and uh, Benitez what, uh, thing. Um, I I mean, J.K. I mean, I would say we absolutely wiped the floor with them. Actually, and I, I remember this match very well, and and we were we were so much better than them on the day. I mean, it, it was two nil. Gallas scores after thirty five minutes. Gallas, of course. Very good at chipping in with goals this season. Crespo scores an absolutely brilliant goal on 68 minutes. He'd also scored another one that shouldn't have been offside. And then he scores an even better one than the one that was really brilliant that was absolutely not offside. So, I mean, it could have been four. Two-nil would have done me. Um, I thought we absolutely we were absolutely brilliant that day. Completely put them in their place, JK. Um Essentially, the first guard I mentioned it in the first part of this is there was obviously a, um, well, obviously I say training ground, but Gallus had worked out that if JT was to win the first ball from the header, um, and it was just heading towards the goal, he would just nip in and volley it in essentially. And I think they scored five times this season from that, or was it four? Mark, do you remember they definitely scored these these goals where JT or Cavalier would get a header into the six yard box from a corner from a set piece. And uh, and William Gallus would be on the end of it. He just and it wasn't it, it wasn't always Gallus. A couple of Crespo's goals were like that. Were as like well. that. So they, 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 like their ball. training yeah. ground set pieces worked particularly well. Where, as you say, if JT wasn't winning the header and scoring it, he was heading it on for someone in the six-yard boxes to flick one past the goalkeeper on, on the second touch. Yeah, and the uh, as you say, the the officiating was useless. Um, the, the only, the only, the only plus side, although the situation was useless, and Crespo could have had a hat trick on, on another day, and this very much was Crespo's day. All the press, you know, the following day, were all about Crespo. You know, the headlines were saying Crespo Turks his revenge. 
Crown Prince Crespo, because clearly you know, Crespo had lost in the Champions League final to Liverpool the previous year. The referee just does the right thing towards the end of the game, where this bizarre behaviour where Rayner comes rushing out of his goal and almost like two foots good Johnson. Although he gets the ball, he, he actually does a two foot tackle. He scissor tackled him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So nowadays that would probably get a red card, and he's lucky enough to only get a yellow card for doing that tackle on good Johnson. And then for some bizarre reason, he decides to get involved with Robin. Yeah, you know, so he pushes Robin over, and that in the space of like a minute, he's gone from no cards to sort of walking off with a red card. Just yes. ridiculous behaviour. And then again, you see that tension between Mourinho and Benitez because in the press conference afterwards, Benitez goes for Robin, and he actually blames Robin for getting Rayner sent off rather than blaming his goalkeeper for a mad rush of blood to the head. But yeah. Mourinho comes back straight away. So the press, yeah, the press loved all of this. Mourinho says, why should I comment on Rafa's words? Then he does <laughs> comment on Rafa's words. <laughs> Sometimes we say things without thinking, especially when we lose. Out of our games with Liverpool in the last one and a half years, we have lost only one game. And that proves to me we are the best team in the country. Mm. Yeah. So back in your box, Benitez, I think is what he was trying to say. So there you so go. The, the, the having a go at Robin was absolutely typical of the way that he was being victimised at this time. Well, that, that adds, you see, I think, you know, when I, I was asking the question, yeah. was it yeah. the media or what? It was actually a combination of the combination other managers fueling the media. Yeah, true. Because that's yeah. how it works, you know. Because we all know in this. I mean, even now, even now, right? Who is it? Who is it that the media love? They love Jurgen Klopp. They love Pep Guardiola, right? They're gonna. They're falling in love with Mikel Arteta. You know, it's the same old, same old, isn't it? They have their chosen ones, and in those days, bizarrely, it was Ferguson, even though he hated them and, and banned them all. But they loved him, they loved Wenger, and they loved Benitez. But they fucking hated Mourinho, apart from the fact that he gave him a lot of clicks. So I, I think it's, I think it's that it goes hand in hand, doesn't it, J.K.? Yes, if 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 the uh, if the great guru that is Ferguson is casting aspersions on players as well, and Chelsea's ability to maintain um, their winning streaks. Um, and uh, uh, is similarly very dubious about certain players, and then the other managers pick up on it, and then the players pick up on it, and then they become it in their heads. It becomes a very good story to to push. And uh, um, as I say, the fact that Benitez then had to go at Robin was um, was uh, wicked. Actually, it's an awful thing to do because Robin hadn't done anything at all. Oh, well. Benitez is a wanker. This we already knew. Um, another. Just wait till we do the 2012-13 season. Well, I, I can't wait for that. <laughs> I'm just going to replay every single fan cast we made where I had a meltdown for an entire year because we had the fat Spanish waiter as our manager. Um, right, next game, back to the FA Cup. This time it's a replay against Everton on Wednesday the 8th of February. Uh, another excellent performance in my book. Uh, basically, I and Robin... Uh, opens the scoring on 22 minutes. Excellent goal again. Lampard scores a penalty on 36. Crespo 
uh, makes it 3-0 on 39 minutes. And then the aforementioned uh, Mikel Arteta, who was then playing for Everton, scores a penalty um, after basically the ball was whacked against Robert Huth's arm. Uh, and then on 74, John Terry steps up to make it seven uh, to make it 4-1. So there we go. Mark, you have quite a lot of stories to tell about this game, haven't you? I know we talked about it in the sort of the first half, but another example of the important role Herman Crespo plays at that time for Chelsea Football Club. Said, watch back the, vi- the, the videos of, of Crespo scoring, but actually watch back the video of this game as well. The simple thing he does to set Robin up for that first goal, absolute work of art, just chest the ball down right into Robin's path, Robin puts it in. Then obviously he gets a third goal himself and Lampard's free kick with a, just faintest of touches. Just an absolutely wonderful header, near post, free kick in, just gets his head to it. But in between, <clears throat> credit, uh, have to go, because we talked about in the first half, Sean Wright Phillips. He had a lot of football this season. He didn't always start. He came on sub quite a lot. But to his credit, he, he wins the penalty for the second goal that Lampard converts. He went at the Everton defence, goes past three men, gets tackled. I can't remember which Everton player bring, brings him down. Uh, and he wins us the penalty. And there was a number of times during the course of the season he either won us a penalty or he set up goals for his, his teammates. And it's just one of those things, if people you know, talk about Sean Wright Phillips now, a lot of people sort of have a negative tone. But that first season, he made a major contribution to our title win. Well, that's always been a, a, a source of dismay for me as to why um, he had a very good season this season. And looked a very decent player and looked a very good purchase. And then it just tailed away subsequently, whether his confidence went because he wasn't playing very much. But I agree with you, Mark, completely. He was a very different player to the one who then subsequently played for us in following seasons, who, who gained that reputation uh, as being somebody who uh, his his crossing seemed to, to disappear, disappear from him. He kept hitting the ball miles over the bar, I remember, in subsequent seasons. And similarly, shots. It was he'd have a shot, and it might vaguely go near the goal. But otherwise, his passing and his his distribution and his shooting was just um, was awful. He 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 became a player, a shadow of his former self. Actually, as the seasons went on, yeah, it's a shame. Kind of remind, kind of reminds me of Hudson Adoy a bit. Yeah, it just went just went off the ball, unfortunately. The other story around about this time um, is the Irish comedian. We've got to thank Martin Wickham, a fellow fan caster reminding us all about this story because he sent it around in our WhatsApp group. And there's an Irish comedian called Mario Rosenstock. Um, and he did a very good impersonation of Jose. So he released a single called Jose and his amazing Technicolor overcoat. Because obviously the press boys were absolutely obsessed about jo- Jose's overcoat. And, you know, he's, he's obviously done it to Joseph in his Technicolor dream coat. Um, and he was so good at impersonating Mourinho. I think it was pre the Everton game. Mourinho invited him in to meet the players and actually to perform live for him. And when he'd done that, they were sort of thinking afterwards, well, you know, how can they continue this? Because they, they just, you know, were really impressed with him. So Mourinho actually says to Mario Rosenstock to give Damien Duff the call, because obviously Duff was out injured this time. Um, so using Mourinho's phone, Rosenstock goes into his... Jose Mourinho role and rings Duff. And he rings Duff up, and clearly Duff sees the managers rigging him up. Uh, and he impersonates Jose, and I can't do a Jose Mourinho impersonation. 
and we haven't got Mario Rosenstock on the show. And he says, I need you for the game against Everton tomorrow, Duffer. You know, and Damien Duff replies and says, I'm injured, boss. I can't do it. So Mario Rosenstock, also known now as Jose Marina, says, says, all right, then. I'm going to sell you to Walsall. <laughs> <laughs> Damien Duff has said since, apparently, I've, I've, when Martin mentioned it, I've, I've looked back at a couple of videos, and David Duff said he knew all along it was Jose Mourinho being impersonated by Marion Rosenstock, so he played along with it. But it's an absolutely great, great story. And again, that bond between players and managers. You know, that Mourinho's, like, just for fun, would ring up one of his... Oh, well, he did he got a Rosenstock to ring up and just try and wind him up, you know, to say, tell him I'll sell, sell him to Walsall. You know, so a good a good example of the, the camaraderie. Um, and it's a shame we, you know, <laughs> we can't do a Mourinho impersonation. It's actually quite a funny song, you know. You just think if you were sort of doing, um, who played, who played Joseph? Oh, it was, um, oh, Jason Donovan, yeah. I close my eyes and stand there grinning. And then everyone does, whoa, we can't stop winning. Whoa, you'd be grinning too. And when I first came, I was Ooh. delighted. Ooh. Could have managed United, but any team will do. <laughs> the world is merry. I've got John Terry and Drogba too. Ooh. I switched them round. They all hating, but I like rotating. Any dream, any team will do. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, not, it's not bad actually, not bad. but yeah, clever yeah. lyric, isn't it? Very, yeah. cle very clever lyrics. Yeah, and uh, uh, Mary Rosenstock's got a good career in Ireland as a comedian. Yeah. I have no idea if it sold any records though. Is it on? Is it on YouTube anywhere? It's on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. So if you just type in Mario Rosenstock, you know, you'll you'll get Jose and his amazing Technicolor overcoat, but you'll also get the Damien Duff story. Um. So Damon Duff has been on more than one Irish television show, sort of telling his version of events and said, oh, I knew about it all along. Yeah, yeah, right, Duffer. Yeah. Anyway, if you think that that was comedy, you ain't seen nothing yet, because then we go up to the lovely dear Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough away on, uh, on the 11th of February and get stuffed 3-0. I mean, absolutely nobody saw this coming. I mean, I think, I think, that, that, I think that was the biggest defeat that uh, Mourinho was to suffer i could be wrong I, I remember it vividly at the time it was it was an absolute shock absolutely nobody expected us to get done 3-0 by anybody let alone borough uh Rockenback, uh scored on two minutes uh stuart downing scored a spawny goal on 45 poor defending basically yakuba remember him the yak he scored on 68 uh but it was a poor performance poor defending interestingly jk uh, Michael Essien, who's now back uh, from injury, he was playing. He was playing at left back, yeah, for the first time. Why? Because he transferred um, uh, Bridge, hadn't he? Gone to Fulham. I think. I think Gallus might have, might have been Del injured. Del Horno, it wasn't his favourite player. He didn't like Del Horno. Uh, he did. Yeah, Gallus was playing. Gallus yeah. was playing. Although he did get he did get injured after 17 minutes because Manish comes on for him. So I suspect what's probably happened is Manish has come on into midfield yeah. and he's pushed he's pushed Essien back. That's what yeah. happened. That is uh, exactly. and, Je and, Je and Jeremiah Jeremiah was playing as well, but he went off at half time injured as well. Yeah. Well, he'd have to play because he played for Borough, didn't he? You've got to give him a go. So um, mm. um, I, I actually um, 
uh, I was there and uh, uh, was hated the whole experience. But um, what the losing or going? Were you, were you Mourinho at hashtag Mourinho out then, J.K.? Yeah. Uh, no, no, Mourinho discuss. I would have been if I'd been. Hashtags in. hadn't really been invented then. I think no, they had. I think like, Twitter if, was around. If, it? if I'd been on Twitter, if it had existed, I'd love to have seen your fan by after oh, that. My, one. Oh, wow, God, that would have been fantastic. Done, uh, done in a car on the way back. Um, but um, yes, it 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 wasn't one of the great experiences that. Um, and yet, you know. Considering we were how many points ahead at the time, we were twenty-one points ahead of Liverpool at the time. I know that, um, so uh, um, you were allowed these moments, but I, I couldn't quite understand why it had happened. Um, I think, as usual, I think we were very competitive. We just didn't manage to score. Yeah, we did it. miss a lot of chances. Yeah. Definitely, definitely profligate, and it was some poor defending for the goals. Really, I mean, not one of those goals really was a an outstanding goal. It was just really down to poor defending. I mean, the reality is, as we were subsequently going to find out, and funnily enough, as we explored on a recent fan cast, actually, uh, that even under Mourinho's time, there was always at least one game a season where we got thumped unexpectedly. And, and th- But this was the first time it had happened under Mourinho, and I think that's why it was so shocking. Because, Mark, we'd got... We got so used to to winning, frankly. You know, one, you get one or two nil up under Jose's side at the time, and it was like, oh, I'll roll over and have a kip because nothing else is going to happen. It was also the fact it was Middlesbrough. Yeah, yeah, they they were down in sort of lower echelons of sort of the Premier League. I know they sort of finished uh, at the end of the season. I think probably like mid table, if I remember rightly. But when we played them, you know, they were only a couple of points off the bottom three, so it was a very surprising defeat. And it was only our second defeat of the season as well. You know, we'd won 21 of our 26 games. So it was a real shock result, losing to the Smog Monsters. It was indeed. And unsavoury it was too. Uh, So probably not a bad thing to be facing uh, the mighty Colchester United in the FA Cup with our next game, which was on the 19th of February. Now we're in uh, round five of the FA Cup. Uh, And guess what? Uh, We made hard work of it to a degree again. Uh, not least uh, because Ricky Carvalho handed them uh, an own goal uh, on uh, on the plate, as it were, on 28 minutes. So they were 1-0 up after 28 minutes. Uh, but then, lo and behold, Paolo Ferreira equalised uh, his first goal for Chelsea on 37 minutes. It was a tap-in, really, from a corner. Uh, and then uh, Joe Cole came uh, came kind of to the, I say, to the, to the rescue. Uh, 79 minutes and 90 minutes Joe Cole scored. So, you know, it was 1-1 for, again, another, you know, easily a half, pretty much. So we made hard work about it. Um, first time Joe Cole scored two goals in his career, uh, and, and it was a very good a very good goal. Cole has been on fire all season. Um, but uh, I have to say, um, really, you know, it's what, what you were saying earlier on, JK, about uh, weakened team. This is his starting eleven: Carlo Cudicini, Glenn Johnson, Michael Essien, Ricky Carvalho, Manish, Duffer, Didier Drogba, Diara, Ferreira, Sean Wright, Phillips, and Huth. And he ends up bringing Frank Lampard on, Hernan Crespo on, Joe Cole on, and that actually well, he, that turned it round. He has to. Yeah, he had to. Otherwise, there's a, there's a um, a replay or even a loss going ahead. Um, what what did we all think of Manish at the time? I didn't really rate him, to be honest. No, he, he didn't play very well for us. He played in white boots. 
Oh, well, that... that and he had an Alice band. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, and he looked about 12. <laughs> oh, all these things. But other, than, other than that, he was fine. The, the poor boy never stood a chance, did he? <laughs> Not with some of us. Not with the stellar drinkers of Gate 17. Well, I, I think the problem was we expected so much because um, yeah. it, it was a Mourinho signing. He'd played for Porto and yeah. been hugely successful. He did not set the place alight, I'm afraid. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, uh, he's he not also... the one to set him alight. Well, <laughs> it's my Chelsea. It's a corner. Oh, it's a corner. It's more like it blows. Get it up the pitch. But he was also an established Portuguese international. He was, yeah. wasn't he? He was. He, he was a good player, but his Chelsea career right. just, it just passed him by. He played about uh, 11 times, though, didn't he? he played I, I think a combination of starts and subs appearances. From now on in, he's part of the squad. You know, so he makes uh, either subs appearances or starts games between now and the end of the season. But his Chelsea career is not covered in glory, sadly. Uh, I think uh, Other sad thing as well, um, if people listening to this know their Chelsea history, um, the same week there was really sad news at Chelsea Football Club. Chelsea's historian at that time, I know it's Rick Glanville now, but it was a gentleman called Scott Cheshire. And Scott died aged 78. Um, Scott wrote a book, well, he wrote many books with Ron Hawkins, but he wrote what's called Chelsea, the complete record. Then he updated it every sort of five or six years. Um, and that's basically sort of like our playing records sort of back to sort of like our very first game against Stockport away. But the other thing that Scott did as well, he went back to the old programs from the first two seasons and got them reprinted and bound. And actually sold them. So some people who could not get the original nineteen five, six, seven, eight, nine programs um, got these sort of replica versions on very good sort of facsimile print. Um, so a real sort of like you know a fan of Chelsea, an historian, a collector. And I think Scott was probably at that time one of the few people that I knew who had a complete set of home programs going back to Chelsea's first game. I think the only person we talked about in the previous show was probably Rob Steen. Mm. There probably would have a maybe John Drew, but other than that, I don't know any other people would have programs going back to like the 19, 1905 season. But yeah, really sad loss, you know, Scott. He wrote a lot of good books about Chelsea Football Club. He did indeed, and uh, well said, Mark. Now, um, after the uh, you know, the little kind of interruption of the FA Cup, uh, a few days later, arguably, I would say up till that point, the most eagerly anticipated match of the season we've got the return of Barcelona in the Champions League round of 16 if you remember in part one we'd got out the uh, the group second to Liverpool who had been in our group having drawn twice against them uh, we'd lost I think to Real Betis uh, rather uh, rather surprisingly away um, so our, our I mean you know this is interesting isn't it because we quite often have this debate every year about oh you got you got to finish top of the your group and then you get you know, you get a you get an away leg first, and uh, it's always better having an away leg first. And here we are, uh, clearly UEFA hate us, uh, so we get Barcelona in the round of sixteen. We don't avoid a decent team like them, and of course the first leg is at home, which I think you know most people would say is a slight disadvantage. Uh, they are a good side. Let's not beat around the bush here. I mean, I know we we demolished them in that amazing four two last season. And put them out, uh, incidentally. Um, but this is a side replete with absolute Barcelona legends. For example, Victor Valdez 
is playing Carlos Puyol, uh, Van Bronckhorst, uh, Messi. Messi, this is the first time we see Messi at the bridge, by the way. More of that in a minute. Uh, Deco, uh, who is replaced by Iniesta uh, later on. So Iniesta is beginning to come into the team. Edmilson, Thiago Mota, uh, Larson's around, Samuel Eto'o, and, and Ronaldinho, of course, who'd scored that amazing goal uh, against us last season at the bridge. Ronaldinho at the time is considered the best player in the world, by the way. And Larson uh, was a very good player. Larson was a very good very, player, very, wasn't he? Yeah. Very, this yeah. is after his uh, time, long time at Celtic, isn't it? Celtic, yeah. They had that habit, actually, and they still do, but they had that habit then that they would go and find an, 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 age, an ageing striker who had been really, really, really good. I mean, Larson, they did it with, and he had a, a second win there. Thierry Henry, of course. Ida, later, goes to Barcelona and does the same thing. They always seem to do that. Clever. And Eto, Eto was at the at the end of his career as well. He what he, he was until he came to us many years many years later. In fact, he was definitely at the end of his career when he came to us. He's, but he did a good job. He when still he was did with a us. good job. I, I kind of yeah. yeah. I liked Samuel Eto. Oh, 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 oh. Me too. Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't like him when he played for Barcelona though. I thought or he was into an, Milan. Yes, I thought he was a complete wanker. More of that very shortly. It was a very bizarre match. I remember this match very, very, very well. Uh, and I was in the shed, uh, the shed end for this one, because I got relocated, as I often did, uh, as the Gate 17 crowd often did. It was a brilliant, nay, febrile atmosphere at the bridge. Um, very much down to what happened on the 37th minute. It's really been interesting watching this Um you know, back because it's funny how a the memory plays tricks on you, and also being at the the other end. I mean, the shed end is 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 completely the other end of the ground from where this incident happened. What I saw at the time was dear old Azir Del Horno. It looked like he attempted to uh, decapitate. Well, not decapitate, but take messy legs off at the kneecaps that's what it looked like but it looked like Messi had jumped out of the way so when Del Horno was summarily sent off I thought well okay I can understand that shame he didn't connect with the little shit but now watching it back having not seen it for a long long time I completely forgot that he well I mean Cundy was doing the uh the the pun the co-coms on this and he said it was a disgusting decision he was so incensed by it because basically what happened was uh, Messi had the ball on the right going towards the, the uh, corner flag, uh, towards the uh, Matthew Harding lower. Robin did a really poor job of shepherding him out. And that meant that Messi had the chance to kind of flick the ball back from going out. Uh, Robin tried to, to basically take him out and missed. And as as just after that happened... Del Horno went in to kick the ball, missed it, and actually Messi jumped in to Del Horno, flooring yes. him. Yes. And then when Messi realised what was happening, he oh, rolled that. towards the linesman as if he was about to die. And as a consequence, Del Horno gets sent off. And Jason Cundy, Jonathan, was absolutely right. It was a absolutely disgusting right. decision. Well, but uh, very similar to several things we saw in the uh, the cup World Cup final um, this year, two thousand and twenty-two, when uh, 
um, Messi committed a, a, a ludicrous, serious, an, an example of serious foul play, barging somebody going for the ball in the back as they're heading, as the, as their attempt to head it, uh, and, and not looking at the ball at all. And this is, it, it, I was taught that this was an immediate sending off offence because you are there's great likelihood you will you will hurt the player on his descent um, because he's not in control of his his body in any way and he will injure himself on falling. And of course, Messi immediately rolled three times and lay on the floor, this in the cup final, and the referee gave him the free kick. And I thought this is just absolutely typical. I mean, you can understand, we can't understand, you understand the perverse logic in the World Cup final because he's supposedly the best player in the world and they all want him to win the World Cup because do it for Messi because he hasn't won it, whereas he's won everything else, of course, which is ridiculous. But in this instance, Messi wasn't the the world-class player that we knew that he was, but you felt there was, knew what he would be, you felt there was an agenda. At the time, I remember thinking, this doesn't look particularly bad. Oh my goodness, he sent him off. Having said that, though, we we all, uh, as Chelsea fans, weren't great fans of Del Horno. So there was a kind of, immediately he'd been selected, oh my goodness, Del Horno is playing left back. This isn't going to be great because he's not really the same standard as the rest of the side. I've I felt that I'm perhaps slightly unfairly, but the, I, I think we were the standard of the side was so excellent that if somebody came in and didn't maintain that standard, as Manish, for example, as in um, uh, Robert Huth, who was very green at the time, as in any of these other players who were were um, substitutes, even Carlton Cole, who was good, but once again, not of the terrific, excellent standard the team has. So we were slightly prejudiced against Del Horno anyway, but. Absolutely right. At the time, I remember thinking, this is absolutely innocuous. Why has the referee sent him off? And of course, you then you're completely up against it. And it's almost, uh, to me, it's a, um, it's a corrupt decision. It's somebody has, has suggested. Well, it, 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 cha- it changes the game. Ascending off changes the game. I mean, I don't know if you, you both remember that. I mean, I, I really do. Of all the games this season... This is the one that I have the absolute clearest memory of everything about it, which is very unlike me. Obviously, it helps uh, that it was a midweek match, so I hadn't been able to sit in the pub all day and get so pissed I couldn't remember anything, which is probably my downfall for the weekend matches, actually. But I remember this vividly, and what I do remember is that we absolutely gave it a right go, and actually the Chelsea crowd were incensed by what had happened about the sending off realized exactly what was going on and and they had a bloodlust the crowd had a bloodlust about them that night and I, well if the crowd didn't i certainly did we just wanted to kick the shit out of barcelona because i think we just smelt the injustice of it all and i think the team got buoyed by that and they gave it a right go with 10 men uh and actually um i think we we took the lead didn't we no yeah we did yeah. we took yeah, we the did. lead didn't we, we did. uh, well do you want to pick it up from uh, from the own goal mark yeah, well, the thing I was going to add, add as well, I was going to say this probably, bearing in mind what ends up at the end of the season, this is probably one of our best performances mm. of the season. We were absolutely superb this night, after the sending off, but actually before the sending off as well. This was part two, uh, and it actually starts beforehand, and it actually starts with Mourinho. Yeah, Mourinho did have a habit of saying the right things at the right time, and in his program notes, he basically says um, the word revenge should not be a word in football. I have said this when we play Liverpool. 
if the word exists in football, it exists only for losers. But for Barcelona, all we have heard from them is revenge, pitch battle, revenge, pitch battle, revenge, pitch battle. Yep. First shots are fired by Mourinho in his program notes beforehand. It's just basically, and the other thing he sort of said is like, I think it also said that never they'd never beaten us when we had eleven players on the pitch. <laughs> so we were good. Um, my take on the Del Horno sending off is I thought it was a yellow. As you yeah. said, he went for the ball and he missed it. I don't think he was doing anything malicious to Messi, but Messi was only 18. He'd just broken into the Barcelona side. So he was being hyped as his bright young thing back then. Um, but I'd agree, he did do a few roly polies. But we play really well. We play even better with 10 men. Yeah, the crowd are completely behind the team. And we get a break. Uh, Motta gets an own goal um, with 12 minutes to go. And you sort of think this could be even more remarkable than the previous season when we beat them over two legs, that we could beat them with only 10 men. You know, so we take the lead and you sort of... Oh, no, sorry, we didn't take the lead. Barcelona took the lead. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, John Terry no, no, on goal. No, 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 he did. It was, yeah, sorry. Yes, I just yes, remembered. yes. No, yeah, no, John no. Ter- yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, John, John Terry put <laughs> it was Barcelona... John Terry, wasn't it? Yeah, John Terry put Barcelona ahead with an own goal. But we go back up the other end and we get an equaliser pretty much straight away. That's right. 70, uh, so 12... 70, 71 minutes and then 78 minutes. Yeah, so 12 minutes ago, you know, we, we've got back in the game and we're holding Barcelona. And it was just like a cruel blow. Then like a couple of minutes later, and we talked about him earlier, you know, Samuel Eto'o pops up to sort of head the winning goal for Barcelona. And that won't be the last time Samuel Eto'o Scores a winning goal against us in the Champions League before he joined us as a player and has a short-lived but very good Chelsea career. It was a brave performance by like 10 men of Chelsea. Really brave performance. At one all, and we'd gone to Barcelona with that side. You wouldn't have ruled out us getting a result out there. Even another draw going penalties or a 2-2 draw. Losing 2-1, you could just... And I'd already booked the trip to Barcelona by then. You just thought it will be a miracle to come back from that because they were, no dispute on it, they were a very good side. So, very, very frustrating defeat. Yeah, 58 home games under Mourinho and this was the first time we'd actually lost. Mm. JK? Uh, Well, it was, uh, as you say, it was a fantastic performance, but... um... The writing was immediately on the wall, wasn't it? After losing two one, I don't. I thought I don't quite know what we're going to do when we're there. I still had hope that once we went back to to Barcelona, we would um, we would possibly come up with a, with some kind of, of terrific display. But uh, um, I felt <coughs> the officials would somehow be against us. That well, they'd find find a way of making us um, uh, of making us not be competitive, or they would they would just make it difficult for us. I just felt at the time that there were. There was a lot going on with UEFA not wanting us to be. Well, considered. I think just just to just to underline that, J.K. One one thing we haven't haven't uh, spoken about also. I mean, you know, it's not just about Del Horno. I think getting very unfairly sent off. Um, Puyol, uh, you know, basically takes takes Crespo out in the first half. By the way, Crespo was chosen ahead of Drogba in this match, which I thought was an interesting selection. Um, I didn't disagree with it because I'm a massive fan of Crespo. But anyway, 
Crespo is taken out by Puyol. Puyol gets um, gets only a yellow card. I mean, this is much worse than than anything that Del Horno did. Yeah. All right. Uh, so there's also, I think, uh, I think, I think Puyol Puyol uh, fouls Robin, doesn't he? Later on, on about seventy nine minutes. Again, you know, he's on a yellow. It was an absolute yellow card, not sent off. So you know, UEFA corrupt who fucking knew anyway uh, as mark said that was our first defeat in 90 minutes for jose uh, and only our third third home defeat in europe but i, I mean the crowd were buzzing i don't th- i didn't feel any sense of you know oh well that's it we've blown it we you know i just a lot of injustice but real pride actually in the fact that not only had chelsea played really really well but they they'd, they'd stood up to barcelona and you know we're kicking them back as much as they were us, which I always like a bit of that. Anyway, next up, we got Portsmouth at home in the league. Um, pretty routine, as you'd expect against Portsmouth. Uh, Lampard on tw- on 65, Robin on 78 minutes. Great dummy by Ida for Lampard's goal and a great touch by Ida for Robin's goal. I mean, Ida, you know, in a, in a, was a little... Well, he, he kind of came into it in the second half of the season, I think, but the, he was increasingly becoming a, a, a bit part player. Quite often playing in, in midfield, wasn't he, Mark, as well, actually, behind either Crosper or, Dreg, or, or Cross Crespo or Drogba? Yeah, he, he, he gets back into the side on a regular basis, uh, when starting with when Drogba and off the African yeah. Nations. And so here on in between now and the end of the season, as he says, he's either starting or he's coming on sub. He's chipping in with the odd goal as well. And it's sad because yeah, we've talked about Ida many times over the last few years. It's sad this is going to be his last season for us, but we didn't know it or appreciate it at the time. We Tremendous player for Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, he, I loved, loved Ida. It's such a shame that this was happening. And I, there were shades of Johnny Spencer, actually, um, from several years before with, with uh, Jimmy Floyd coming in and he couldn't therefore get into the team. And yet you knew that he was a terrific player and it was just down to the the combinations ahead of him because Crespo and Drogba were absolutely brilliant there's, there's no there's no uh, there's no doubting that it just meant that Ida had to flit in and out and Ida was was really class really class player he was so that's the end of February uh, we're still very much uh, top of the uh, top of the league as uh, as I mean you know uh, you'll get get used to it because it doesn't really change much but we are on 69 points. Man United are on 54. So 15 points behind us. How lovely. And then we get into March and something terrible happens on the 1st of March, doesn't it, Mark? Yep. The King has died. Long live the King. Peter Osgood dies at a really, really young age. He has a heart attack at the age of 59. I think he was at a family funeral and he had a heart attack there. And it was it was like Matthew Harding all over again. And we talked about that on a previous show when he, he passed away um, in the late 90s. And that outpouring of love and grief towards Peter Osgood at Stamford Bridge soon after was just remarkable because how high esteem he was held with by Chelsea fans. Because for many Chelsea fans, you know, Peter Osgood was the player everyone wanted to be when they, when they were growing up. And... I think the nice touch, the first game we played afterwards um, was at the Hawthorns against West Bromwich Albion. And whoever did it, credit to them. Uh, and they produced the lyrics of, the, obviously, the Osgood song, 
about scoring goals past Jennings from near and far on black and white, you know, with, um, I think, him scoring the header at Old Trafford in 1970. And it's just a lovely moment when the whole Chelsea away and hold that up at the sort of start of the game beforehand. And then for the whole of the 90 minutes, they cheer the Chelsea team by just constantly singing about Peter Osgood's name as well. And there's a lovely touch by John Terry where he dedicates the win to Peter Osgood and his family afterwards. Really sad day in the history of Chelsea Football Club. You know, to lose someone who played a great part in Chelsea's history, you know, particularly in the 1970 Cup final, you know, that important goal that he scored to get us back in the game. But over the course of his Chelsea career, the number of appearances he's made, the number of goals he scored, one of our highest ever goal scorers, he scored 150 goals for Chelsea. But just an iconic player. And even after he finished playing, I don't think there's many Chelsea fans, say of our age and era, that didn't at some point meet Peter Osgood. And I think I might have said it, I might have done it on a previous show, but one of my favourite Peter Osgood memories was um, he asked me to get a, a reprint done um, of the iconic photo of him, George Best and Alan Hudson, when they appeared together for Osgood's testimonial at Stamford Bridge in 1975. And I think I got about 20 black and white pictures done from a friend of mine who worked in a photography shop. And I just gave the pictures to Ozzy and just said, you know, out of curiosity, Peter, what are you doing with these pictures? And he just said, and it just seems, you know, I was thinking back in it at the time or now, and he sort of says to me, well, what I'm going to do, Mark, is I'm going to sign it myself and Huddy and George Best, you know, before they pop their clogs. And ironically, he went before Alan Hudson and, George Best had died not long before him, I think, about the previous month. Um, and then I went to an event at the Cafe Royal, I think in 1997, to celebrate the 1970 team. And what pops up as one of the auction prizes, but that very picture signed by all three of them and donated by Peter Oscar. <laughs> great, a great man for Chelsea Football Club. He was, he still is, and always will be King of Stamford Bridge. I mean, un unlike uh, me and Mark, really, uh, J.K., you you would have seen Aussie's entire career at Chelsea, wouldn't you? I did, I did, and uh, um, he was a different player before he broke his leg. Actually, he was he was speedier. It was interesting to see his his reinvention as much more of a midfield player. But um, uh, uh, there was a hullet like quality in his ability to beat people and just squeeze shots in from angles which you just didn't think were likely. Um, and, uh, um, and he had a, he had a side to him, you know, he would, he wouldn't brook any kind of intimidation and he'd slide in and he'd, he'd, one of my great, the great pictures of him is after he scores and gives, I can't remember the game it was, he gives the V sign to, uh, to the director's box. I can't remember what was that Mark? When did he do that? I, I, it, it was a kind of... Um... They might have done that more than once, the directors. <laughs> it, was a, it was the one that was particularly picked up on, picked up on telly, I remember. Uh, but um, but no, he was, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, a wonderful player, Chelsea, wonderful. You were just, just utterly skillful and, and not rewarded enough by England. He should have played for England all the time. But it was an era where they just wanted, um, uh, um, you know, sort of typical in, industrial players, not, not players of class. Um, the, 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 or there were several of them, Worthington and Bowles and... Uh, um, well, Huddy uh, as well. Huddy, absolutely, Huddy. Yeah, they they weren't appreciated because the managers. Rodney Marsh, in. another one. They had, they had, they had also they had their own their own particular agendas when Dom Revy became uh, England manager. But he just he wanted Leeds players. Didn't he, he wanted Leeds players. Yeah, he didn't want anything to do with. Uh, it was it was the fact that that that, it, that he was a 
um, a Chelsea player, I'm sure, was was held against him. Yeah, definitely. An, an era where um, the football was fantastic. The uh, um, there were some very wise purchases, um, uh, and that we were blessed with a whole series of of, uh, of terrific skillful players and and managers, Sexton and Doherty, who, who led it all up, were were willing to give them a go. I remember when Osgood first played. Um, uh, uh, he came and Bridges wasn't uh, w- w- wasn't chosen. And everybody demanded that Bridges come on as a substitute um, and cheered when Osgood was subbed and he went off. None of us knowing, of course, ultimately the his- history would be that Osgood would become become the great player that he was. Um, but yeah, no, well, that, that's absolutely superb player. And, and also, the, the I love the fact that he would come into Aussies frequently where I was, um, um, where I sit, and it wasn't corporate at that stage. Um, because one of the things I always say about Aussies, it was just originally just an, an area of seating and uh, uh, with a bar, sold wagon wheels and everything else that the, 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 it was outsourced to a um, confectionery group of people who had the, sold the cheapest grub they possibly could. So you didn't get Coca-Cola, you got some kind of, you know, Fred's Cola or something, whatever it was. It's probably, probably the same people that used to do the catering on the special where you get a wagon wheel, a sausage roll, and panda cola. Absolutely right, panda cola. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, and uh, no, the wagon wheel was always something you aspired to at halftime. What? Get They've a got wagon. smaller wagon wheels. They, 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 They've shrunk. They've they shrunk. Have. What? They were enormous at the time. It was yeah. like a feast. Like a feast. You could actually not bother to have supper that evening if you had a wagon wheel. But um, but and he came in and um, uh, was always popping in and saying hello. And I've got lovely pictures of him with Mike Canaris, who wrote Blue Day. Um. Uh, he's he's holding his son up and playing football with his son. I've got about ten pictures of that. I took so much. Don't know why I have my camera with me, but I did. And I took the took pictures of them, and they're 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 amongst my favourites because you know he's he's there. He is being nutmegged by a three year old. You know, it's, it's a fantastic moment. So uh, yeah, yeah, a, a wonderful icon for the club, and and such a shame that he was taken so soon because he would he'd still be a part of the whole. I think even more so now if he was an ambassador, he really would be lauded in a way that he, he would he would be the main man he would indeed oh he would yeah i mean it's in, it's interesting because we we've all got to know you know that scene very very well and i mean actually to i mean you know it's easy if you go to the the Cotforn hotel before a match these days you can you can see the little gang together and it's pretty much i mean ron ron harris runs it all yeah uh, basically yeah. but uh, i think the real leader of that gang is is gary chivers but they're all there chivers patesy bunners and uh kerry canners you know you name it there's a whole whole gang of them but aussie aussie would have been the main man if he was still alive now the other thing about the other thing sorry go on jk go on i was going to say he would have been mobbed everywhere going he around would. the ground yeah. without any any shadow of a doubt because he's his legend has grown and grown. I mean, rightly so. Mm. Rightly so, completely for a, a wonderful player, and and uh, and in an era where we can get access to watching all these goals that he scored, you just appreciate what a, yeah. a completely phenomenal player he was. I mean, it's interesting actually. The whole, you know, the the corporate hospitality or the match day hospitality that all the ex players do, because if my memory serves correctly. I, Kerry and Aussie and a whole lot of them had all been booted out by Bates. So Aussie had only, you know, one of the things that Roman did when he came, when he bought the club, he invited them all back in and Correct. made them very much part of the match day routine. And so Aussie, having been booted out by Bates, became a real fixture again. So, you know, a whole younger generation were able to kind of, you know, uh, kneel at the 
the throne of the king for a change. But they were all considered freeloaders, according to Bates. That's right. They? That's why he kind of got them all out. I mean, the other thing is, and I've told this story a million times, so I won't, I won't tell you the whole story again. But, of course, around this time, I had just finished making this program, The Greatest Goals Against Man United and, and The Greatest Goals for Man United. And, and the previous August, I had interviewed Aussie uh, down in Hampshire. And, uh, I mean, it was great fun and la, 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 la. But it was, it was basically one of the last, you know, TV interviews he'd done. Um, so it was, it was, it was horrible that he, that he died so shortly after that. Um, and I do remember at the t- I think, I think we'd either finished the program or we, we were, we were editing it. I can't remember now. I think we might've just to put it, might've, might about, might've just put it to bed by then. But of course we'd also interviewed George Best. I, I didn't do the Bestie interview. Dan did that cause he was a big Man United fan. So for him, interviewing bestie was like me interviewing aussie interestingly enough so he had to do that obviously um but we started getting really spooked because a lot of people that we had interviewed were dying and we, we wondered at one stage whether, whether the program was i mean i know it sounds a bit fuck, fucked up but we did wonder if the program was a bit cursed you know the number of people we interviewed for that who who, who died shortly afterwards is a little bit weird but yeah, I mean, I got to meet Ozzy. You know what? I really regret this because I remember I got photographs taken of me and Alan Clark and me and Norman Hunter. And I, and I loved Norman Hunter. He was fucking hilarious, by the way, because I spent about an hour and a half trying to get him to say on camera that leads were dirty. And he, and he knew what I was up to and he, he didn't. And then the minute the camera stopped rolling, he said, yeah, we were dirty, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. Why didn't you say that on camera, you fuck? But... <laughs> I got a lovely photograph of him. I had a lovely photograph taken with me and Ron Atkinson, who was he was as orange as a Belisha beacon and actually was lovely, even though he's a racist fool. I had to get special permission to interview Ron Atkinson for the programme because he was still very much persona non grata at the time because it was only about two or three years after the Desai comments. So he was desperate to get any TV airtime he could. So he gave me two and a half hours in an interview, which was fantastic. But I really... I can't understand now why I didn't get a photograph taken with me and Aussie, which I could have done easily. Not only that, after I'd wrapped the interview, he he left the room and I was sitting there with the cameraman kind of saying, I can't believe I've just spent an hour and a half interviewing Peter Osgood, you know, and how lovely it was. I'm doing all that and Aussie comes running back in, clutching a a picture of him scoring the the goal at Old Trafford in the cup final and uh, and a Franco Zola shirt saying oh I met the king of Stamford Bridge today at the, the, the you know at this legends do and I said mate that Zola's not the king of Stamford Bridge you are and always will be the king of Stamford Bridge and he was like really genuinely humbled by it but I didn't get a fucking photograph taken with him it's just nuts I mean I did get him to sign the Martin Knight uh Martin Knight's book um which was lovely that's a good book. Actually, That's I, a very I, I, good. Yeah. Talk amongst yourselves for a second, because there's a lovely, there's a lovely inscription he did on it. Well, I think the other thing now is if, if Aussie was still with us, he'd only be seventy-five. So you're absolutely right; he would be sort of like top dog. Because the one photo, I, I, actually, I've got two photos, but the one main, main one I've got um, was I did a hospitality event, and I can't remember which restaurant we were in. And he comes round to our table, so you get your photo taken with him when he was doing the corporate hospitality. And as soon as he comes round, the whole area, I don't know how it would be now with our fan base slightly changing, the whole area gets up and sings, 
born as the king of Stamford Bridge because he was the king of Stamford Bridge. And even Mourinho, in the programme notes for a game we're going to come to in a minute, talks about him when Osgood asked permission to bring his son down to Cobham. And Mourinho basically says to him, you bring your son down any time. You don't need permission because you're the king. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I found I found the book and uh, it's lovely. He says, to David, uh, best wishes and well done. Uh, you know, and he's like done. I'll show you guys in a minute. But uh, because what he said was he enjoyed the interview hugely. And he said, honestly, he said, you're, you're even better than Des Lynham, he said. <laughs> but that, that that's Aussie, you know, a very a very lovely man. And can you can you see that? I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great great TV for radio. But uh, so just for J.K. and Mark. Sorry, everybody else. But a very a signature and lots of big writing on it. Lots of big writing. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. But uh, a very special man, and it was uh, it was very sad when he passed. We'll get, we'll tell you all about what happened in the the next home match in a minute. But because the first match uh, after his death, as Mark said, was West Brom away. Uh, we won two one. Drogba on fifty one. Joe Cole on seventy four. That irritant canoe scored on eighty eight. Uh, the interesting thing about this, Mark, we were talking about this earlier, weren't we? About Robin. Uh, he got sent off for, for a two-footed challenge, a straight red. Whether or not it was a straight red, I think he's moot. I think that that awful prick, Robinson, made an absolute meal of it all and got into Halsey's uh, ear. They were all shouting at Halsey and he, they pressured him into giving him a straight red, JK, didn't they? Absolutely. It's exactly what happened, yeah. And they all and they also did the same thing again of uh, of going right up to Robin and threatening him. It became a... Uh, it, it was an excessive reaction from the players to try to get... It's intimidation. Robin, to try to get Robin sent off. It's absolutely obvious, yes. Definitely, definitely. Was uh, this the game, I don't know, was it the previous season where both benches have a set two on the touchline, Brian Robson and Mourinho going at each other? I think it might have been. Yeah, because I think it was it was around you know, the Robin sending off that sparked it off, yeah. Mm, and then we, you know, go down to 10 men, but we were winning one at the time, but we still end up winning the game with the 10 men, which we had a habit of doing as well. Well, we did. I mean, Robin got sent off on 62 minutes. So it was it was only 1-0 at the time. So the, the game was in the balance, in a sense. Um, we kind of teased this a bit earlier on, but uh, the next the uh, next match is the Barcelona away in the Champions League. Um, Mourinho had a lot to say about this beforehand. You will not be surprised to know. He says... We need to go to Barcelona for the return and have a clean game. Then we can get a proper result. If we have to play 10 against 11 when there is no need, then it will not be a clean game. Barcelona is a cultural city with many great theatres, and this boy Messi has learned very well. He's learnt play acting. The lad <laughs> jumps and provokes contact with Del Horno, and because of that, the referee gives a red card. Can we have the red card revoked? Can we get Messi suspended for play acting? I don't know. I don't want to say any more because then I'll be suspended like you haven't already said enough, mate. Uh, <laughs> anyway, there you go. So Mourinho saying it pretty much like it is. I mean, it was a decent match, actually. Uh, I think it was Marcus Merck, the German. Is he German? Uh, yeah, yeah, the German, German was the German referee. Rep. Yeah, and he yeah. didn't do a bad job. Amazingly enough, nobody got sent off from Chelsea, which is highly unusual for... Uh, and we were given uh, a penalty. We were actually given a penalty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we gave it another right go. I mean, Mark was there. JK, were you there too? 
Yes, yes. Yeah. Mark, up in the, up, you're up, up in the gods. Yeah. Up in the gods of the new camp. I think we brought 4,000 out there. Uh, we, we gave it a go. I think Mourinho had a tactic that we'd go at them for an hour. Which I, I think he changed. He went two up top. But he didn't go with Crespo and Drogba up front. He went with Drogba and Robin up front. So he pushed Robin further forward. And they went at Barcelona for the first hour. And I think when they'd worn themselves in the ground, still nil-nil at that stage, uh, I think he brought on... Did he bring on... Yeah, he brought on Crespo. And he might have brought on either Cole or Johnson for the, like, the last half hour. And then Crespo, not long after he comes on, has a great chance of putting us in the lead. And a bit similar to the, one of the games you mentioned earlier, he misses misses the chance and perhaps you think, is that our chance gone? And then obviously, lo and behold, and it was a real hostile atmosphere. There was a lot of tension there. We'd knocked them out the previous season. They were aggrieved. And we're in the ground well before kickoff. And again, credit to Mourinho. They've done it many times down the years. Half an hour before kickoff, and even though we're up in the gods and we're they're like looking down on ants, Mourinho comes out onto the pitch half an hour before kickoff, just just himself, and that just gets the Barcelona fans all like foaming at the mouth beforehand. Again, trying to take all the angst towards him rather than the players. I don't think it works. They hated us. They hate the fans. They hate the players. It was a really hostile atmosphere. Um, and then obviously, lo and behold, the best player in the world puts him in the leads with 12 minutes to go, and you should think, well. Game's game over, up. really. That's game's 3-1 game's... on aggregate, isn't it, then? Yeah. We, uh, we, would we get two in the last 10 minutes against Bar- We We gave it a go. John Terry pushed up as a forward you know, for the last 10 minutes of the game. We got a penalty um, for a foul on JT and Lampard converts, but that was an injury time. And, and although we grabbed the ball and you have that faint hope, we weren't, we weren't going to score two goals against Barcelona. They were, they were a very good side. And then we have to endure that pain that is European football being kept behind for about an hour afterwards and all the Barcelona fans like celebrating like no one's business. Very, very frustrating. But again, like the first leg, we played really well against them. Raised our game, didn't we, really? Yeah. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. 
Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper chels. But it always felt like a bit of a forlorn hope, uh, JK, which is kind of what you were saying when we were talking about the yeah, first yeah. leg. You know, 2 1 at home to Barcelona. You know, that means you've got to score three. You have to be unbelievably precise with any chances that you yeah. get. They've got to be slotted home, and uh, and if something doesn't quite happen, then you're you're then they score. You're 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 chasing shadows in the end. Yeah, it was it 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 fitted the kind of uh, depressing scenario that I thought would happen. And as you say, Mark, watching the ants, but his coming onto the pitch, I remember, was a great moment actually, and uh, just standing there in his decidedly. Rubbish overcoat. I was technicolor, technicolor overcoat. I found the grey one. Just sort of, I kept thinking, no, surely, surely you could wear something else because you're such a, um, you know, like almost a fashion icon. Well, it was, almost, well, what, what, what was it, Jose? Was it might have been Mario Rosenstock? We don't uh, know. But he was he was doing all sorts of sponsorship with Rolex and Amex and Christ knows what, and he's very heavily branded, wasn't he? No, Samsung, that's what I thought. Why yeah. has he got that grey? I didn't even. Understand. I think it was. It was an Armani coat. It was Amani, was it? Yeah. Right. It still looked very, very um, average, very ordinary, yeah. ordinary coat. I think then he, he wore another coat on another occasion, which was a bit more, a bit more. Um, I thought it stylish, but um, knowing re- Jose, that was he was wearing it because he was wearing it when we knocked them out at Stamford Bridge. Uh, so he, he was deliberate outfit, yeah, that's possibly, true. possibly. Oh well, hoo ho! That mean a bit of an early finish to our our Champions League. Uh, journey which actually unusually was the earliest would be knocked out for the last few years because obviously we'd been in the semi-final uh the year before and uh we'd been in the semi-final the year before that so it was a bit of a shock but as mark was saying barcelona were without doubt the best team in the world at that particular time with the best player in the world ronaldinho um and i think they did go on to win it did they not that that year yes well, i think we talked about it in the previous show they went on to be arsenal in the final they did indeed so and anyway. sol campbell got sent off and yep. we had a, a chelsea connection berletti giuliano berletti who, scores who was on the bench for this match anyway and so- and the, the other thing the referee in the final for barcelona in paris was who uh, the Turkish bloke. No, the same referee from the first leg at Stamford Bridge, the Norwegian. Frisk. No, Terj Terj Horge. Okay. All yeah. right. Not over, bro. That's for sure. One who sent Del Horno off, of course. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. this the? It wasn't the final when Belletti's shot went in. Wasn't that um, um, led to Seaman 
um, than having the mickey taken out of him for the rest of his career. It was Layman, though. No, no Layman. Seaman was Naeem from the halfway line. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. This is yeah. Layman. Layman, Layman, that. Layman. Uh... Cut, that Cut that bit out. Yeah. That's all right. We won't. I'll leave it in there to embarrass you. Yeah, um, very much. Anyway, so mate, it's, it's, that's the kind of dumbass thing that I would say, J.K. It's but but very beneath you to say anything that stupid. Well, suddenly it's all become merged as one. I know, know, I know. Anyway, look, uh, very disappointing to go out the Champions League because that was very much on our radar by then. Uh, but hey, what 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 could you possibly have after that disappointment to get you up? I know a home a home match in the league against Spurs. There we go. That'll cheer us all up. Apart from the fact, of course, that this was the uh, the first home match since Aussie had died. So clearly, there was going to be some stuff going on for that. I have to be honest that that you know there was a little bit of worry about Spurs fans ruining. But of course, you know they were very good with Matthew Harding who ironically we played again after he died. And as Mark said earlier on, there was a similarity in a way. And lo and behold, they were the first home match uh, when we had to say bye-bye to Aussie. I have got pictures of this, actually, on, on a very crappy, in those days, you know, probably a, a, an Ericsson phone or something, or a Nokia phone. But I do have the pictures of this uh, from Gate 17, and they laid a lovely uh, Aussie tribute in the corner, didn't they? But they had every every living member of the 60s and the early 70s team uh, kind of, you know, they, they did a, I don't know, they just kind of lined them up really, didn't they? And they, they all gave them a bit of an applause. It was a lovely, it was a beautifully observed minute silence. Spurs, beha- Spurs fans behaved impeccably, but it was a lovely moment too because of all the old players there, JK, Barry Bridges amongst them, Bobby Tambling. Yes. Tommy Baldwin, Peter Bonetti. They were all there. Terry Venables was there, wasn't he? George yeah, John Boyle. I think David Webb was the one that brought the brought the wreath out. Very, very, very sad and solemn occasion. But you could again, like the Matthew Harding post game, you could hear a pin drop, not a sound. Now, um, probably for that very reason, this is a, a game like the Barcelona game that I I remember very, very well. Um, Sen opens the scoring on fourteen minutes with a lovely goal. Uh, Jermaine Jenis scores on 45 minutes and then thankfully misses an absolute sitter, as does uh, Michael Essien. So it looks like it's heading for a draw. Drogba hits the post. And then on 90 minutes, I would say probably my favourite, no, my second favourite moment of the entire season. I'd had a few before the game, funnily enough. And in the 90th minute, I had a perfect view of this. William Gallus, left-hand side, going towards the shed end, cuts inside and bends uh, an almost Brazilian-like shot into the far corner with an absolute worldie and then basically just goes nuts, like like um, like Tar- Marco Tardelli in the 1982 World Cup uh, final, <laughs> Mark, wasn't it? Oh, in- incredible. Um, and... The first player who, well, not the first player, the first person who runs towards him is Jose Mourinho. Yeah. Mourinho almost has a porto down the touchline and Gallus just goes running like a lunatic and Mourinho jumps on top of him. The bench jump on top of him. All the players pile in as well. What better way to win a game than a last-minute winner, you always say as a football fan. But against Tottenham as well, what the day was, Chelsea had to win that day for Peter Osgood. It was just the perfect end to the day. 
and fair play to William Gallus at this point still held in high regard. He was a great player for Chelsea, William Gallus, and that was a tremendous goal. It's it's one of the most memorable Chelsea goals yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. It's a great goal. Yeah. I mean, I went absolutely nuts because I had a perfect view of it. I knew it was going in. I did as well. You you and I, perfect view, right? On the angle, absolutely wonderful, wonderful. We all went absolutely berserk. But it it just it was um, it was the fatty cut in and then smashed it. And as you say, it was the Peter Osgood day, and it was ninety minutes. He'd been on on top and should have scored uh, on several occasions. It was just everything was 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 perfectly aligned for that. But also, it was a terrific goal. A terrific uh, shot from out, you know, several about thirty-five yards, wasn't it? Ultimately, I think thirty yards. Yeah, but yeah. still, yeah, still, it, it's one that stays has stayed with me yeah. as being one of the great goals. I mean, as I said, apart from a certain game towards the end of the season, which we will get to, and the Barcelona game, probably my favourite game in the season, and certainly one of my favourite goals. I just remember it vividly. Uh, also, of course, that's now thirty-two league games unbeaten versus Spurs. We should not forget to mention. Um, anyway, from the sublime to the ridiculous, we then go to Fulham away. And guess what? We bloody well lose to JK's mate, the dead snake, who scores <laughs> who scores on, on 17 minutes, doesn't he, JK? He does. He does. And Mike, a very young Mike Dean is uh, is refing, of course. He is, yes. But does a very, very Mike Dean thing, doesn't he, JK? He does. <laughs> he sends Gallus off, Yeah, of course. He? For nothing. For nothing. <laughs> For pushing Heider, Heider Helgerson. In a bit of a kind of a, you know, they were on the touchline, weren't they? It was a bit of a scrap. But he, he singles out Gallus. Yeah. But that's the sort of thing, that push, remember you'd have that at school where someone would sort of like bend down behind you and you couldn't see them and your mate would push you over them and just fall backwards over them. It was like that. You know, it, it's, there was no, yeah, basically Gallus was pushing Helgerson out of the way because he had no business being there. That maybe a yellow card, but not a red card. Just ridiculous decision. And that man would make a lot of ridiculous decisions for many years after. Yeah, still is the horrible prick. Um, what, Mark? Mark, what, what? Well, don't look shocked that I called Mike Dean a horrible prick. I mean, every word of it. <laughs> uh, Mark, uh, I didn't, I wasn't at this match, so I, this passed me by. I mean, w- what happened at the end? Oh, there was a bit of fisticuffs at the end. Because the Fulham fans, I can't remember... I think, was it 1979, the last time they'd beaten Chelsea? So they invaded the pitch afterwards. And if you, you know your Craven Cottage. You, you'd have the Chelsea fans in the corner, and the bit to the right was called the neutral zone. That's but right. the neutral zone was usually made up of, like, yeah, lots of Chelsea fans. But the Fulham fans invaded the pitch. And I think they got carried away with themselves, and then they came down to the, the, the corner of the pitch where the Chelsea fans were, taunting them <laughs> it just turned into a fight what a stupid <laughs> thing to do what a stupid thing to, to them the chelsea fans would just walk over the wall did it yes, <laughs> no, we, oh, we go, we've them. lost today we're 18 points clear of manchester united we will go home or we'll go to the pub in putney they jumped over the wall and ran at them <laughs> <laughs> well there was there some proper fisticuffs then Yes. <laughs> yes. A few, a few clouts were meted out. There was, a, there was a few clouts meted out. <laughs> it was, a, it was a comedy moment more than anything else. It's sort of like, I cannot believe the Fulham fans are taunting the Chelsea fans. This is going to end bad. This is not going to end well. <laughs> what do you think you are doing, Fulham fans? Yeah. Go back to your wine bars. I was the Fulham. other end. I was yeah. in the Hammersmith yeah. end with my Fulham mate. 
you, you, will have had to, you should have run on the pitch with them. Then. Well, funny enough, I, I was actually, <laughs> he wanted to go. He wanted to go on. And I'm saying, I don't think I can really do this. He said, I think you ought to. I think you ought to, because otherwise it'll just look as if you're, you're a Chelsea fan here. And I went, I, no, look, no, I can't. I, I can just walk away, you know. I can. There are other people Didn't doing it. Didn't you tell it. him that he was likely to get clouted if he did it? But also, I, I know I said, come on, this is just absolutely ridiculous. I said exactly the same. Come on, you've, all right, you've beaten us, but we're going to win the league. I don't know what this is all about. But it was it's years and years of pent up frustration, isn't it? With with uh, being um, irrelevant, being one of the words, a good word to use. I was going to use being being um, um, well, in our shadow, long lost cousins. Yeah. Yes, you know, just, just but not, there's never JK. Yeah, you you especially because obviously you're in the foot. There's never been any malice. From Chelsea towards Fulham no, at any time, no, never I, any time. I would, I would people actually grow say, up. Yeah, yeah. yeah go I up, go to QPR would, one week. Chelsea yeah, I would yeah. say love. I would actually yeah, say yeah, there's a there's yeah. a great affection for Fulham from Chelsea fans, but yeah. whether it's the affection of knowing that they're Shit. you know that yeah yes, we don't exactly. hate you, we don't hate you, we don't hate you because you're shit. Yes, that may that may be it, of course, but. Um, but the very fact that they've they've attempted to create this uh, this conflict by inserting um, we are Fulham we are Fulham we are Fulham FFC we are Fulham we are Fulham we are Fulham fuck Chelsea in their in their opening song which they normally yeah. sing in the same but, but in the same way it's, I find it all a bit desperate it's utterly desperate but um, you know I think they'll it, it'd be interesting to see what happens when we play them uh, this season twenty twenty two twenty twenty three as to whether we actually win a point. Indeed, well, we, we, we can have a lot of revenge. We've got them in a couple of weeks. Sadly, I have a ticket, but I don't know if I, think I can go. But anyway, it's because it's on a oh, first... Fulham. Chidge, I'll, I'll have it. it. You can't make it. Okay, yeah. it, it. All right. I, I, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it's a bit complicated. I'll, I'll tell you after the show. Rather. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> but I, it can definitely be done. I can't because it's on a Thursday night and I, I have a client till eight, so it ain't going to happen. Anyway, enough about that. We're talking in the present when we should be talking in the past. Uh, next up, Newcastle at home in the FA Cup. Uh, weird match. Uh, it was 1-0, uh, thanks to John Terry goal on four minutes. Put it away, lovely. I remember this match mainly for that prize Burke, Robbie Elliott, who went round kicking everybody all night and and i mean it, unbelievably it took to the 90th minute for the prick to get sent off um, i'm now whizzing down to find out who the idiot referee was steve bennett of all people i mean there was a point i mean you know he could have been sent off three or four times as far as i can work out but the worst one of all was when he fouled joe cole and then kicked joe cole while he was on the ground mark you remember that yeah and the strange thing was he got booked in the first half so you'd think he'd amend his ways, but he, he actually kicked people more in the second half than in the first. So it was a miracle it took, as you said. And actually, Shearer remarkably got booked in this game as well. And Shearer rarely got booked against us. He, he was always going around kicking people. Yeah, the whole lot yeah. of them were. Uh, Baba Yaro was playing for them, by the way. Well, he got substituted on the 52nd minute, but... Uh... They just went out to kick us all night, so we only won 1-0, but we were into the semi-final because that was the FA Cup quarter-final. Uh, next up, Man City at home. Another bizarre men- match. Uh, Drogba scored a couple of great goals uh, in this one. And by the way, um, Drogba, in the match against Fulham, uh, did score, but had handled the ball, uh, and then uh, but didn't get away with it. 
Mourinho went potty was trying because it basically might it was almost like VAR without VAR. But somebody clearly spoke to Dean, and he he he. he oh, the linesman, linesman yeah. flagged it at the time. And he decided yeah. that it was handball, although he hadn't it, seen it. It, it was handball. Oh, it's definitely it was definitely <laughs> handball. <laughs> but interestingly, yeah. that's Drog- the way it's supposed to work, though, Chich. It's supposed to work that the linesman sees it and tells the ref, and it gets disallowed. You know, that's yeah, I know. That's as it know, should be. I know, I know. I'm not trying to big up VAR here, but anyway, Drogba scores a couple of great goals uh, on thirty and thirty-three minutes. Um, the interesting thing is that for his uh, for the second goal, I mean, it was a classic dropper goal, the first one, but the second goal, he actually did handball this one again, but he did get away with it. Uh, Sylvain Distan was so pissed off about this that he wouldn't give Rob Styles the ball back after he had the ball when the <laughs> halftime whistle went. And he sat there arguing with Rob, Rob Styles about the fact that Drogba had handballed. And you can see Rob Styles saying, give me the ball, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Distance still arguing. Give me the ball. And then basically Rob Style sends him off because he didn't give him the ball back. It was fucking comedy, I have to say. Uh now here's a, this is something I want to talk to you about, both of you, because I I don't I don't get this at all. But this is on the DVD, which makes me a bit puzzled because they tend to know what was going on, it being it's a Chelsea DVD. Apparently the home crowd turned on Drogba uh and I've put following the media's hatchet job, um, but because I mean that they said on the on the DVD for his antics in recent games, I don't recall this at all. J.K. Mark, who knows about this? I don't. No, I I think if you've been the previous season, yes, yeah, exactly, yeah, the, the first season, and uh, we we talked about it in the four five six, where we said Lampard and Terry, I think, took him to one side and had a word in his ear, but. In the five six season, no, I don't. I don't remember this at all. No, that's bullshit. That's what I thought. J.K. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if there'd been a few articles in the media about uh, um, that he was a cheat because he had handled the ball against Fulham. They just use that as an example. And the fact he'd handled the ball, and got away with it here, wouldn't surprise me that then the crowd would turn on him because they were. I just felt that there was. Uh, I keep saying this. There was an agenda against Chelsea. If there was any way of finding fault with anybody for. Um, not being, um, you know, they've somehow run away with the league illegally because they felt that was the case anyway, because they sp- felt that they they were cheating the league by buying as many players as they possibly could. So this just went with the with the whole cheating agenda. So um, it didn't take very much for 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 uh, a particular at away grounds when we're playing away for obviously for the opposition fans to to have a go at somebody and 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 escalate it if if an event happened on the pitch. So. It would make great sense to me that that happened. All very, very odd, I think, because I don't, as as Mark was saying, JK, I, I, we did get on his back in his first season because he was diving all over the place and we got fed up with it. But yeah, I, I don't I, think in the second season, nobody had a, a bad word to say about him second yeah, well, season. Not, not from us for, with him. He was great. But, but the uh, guy just, on the DVD said the, the home crowd turned against him. So that's bullshit. It don't, don't make any sense. He scores two goals in the first half. Uh, it's not in the DVD, but in this game, we were out of the blocks of City from the off, and Jogba had a goal to sell out. So Jogba could have had a hat trick in yeah. half an hour. Yeah, that's not the behaviour that gets the crowd on you. No, back. I think they've got yeah. that very, oh, very I, wrong. Sorry, yeah. forgive me. I thought you were talking about the opposition having a go. No, yeah. no, no. It was no. The, he said the home crowd. They said the home town. Yeah, yeah. 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 That, no, that, that's rubbish. It's that rubbish, stuff. isn't it? They got that wrong. All right. Well, that's that's March out of the way, and we're getting very close now. And we're beginning to think about what game it might be when we win the league. The reason being is we're still top, 
We've got 78 points. The nearest to us are Liverpool, uh, who have played a game more than us, and they are 14 points behind us. Uh, United are in third uh, on uh, 63 points. They're 15 points behind us. Uh, they've played two games less than us, so you can take that down to nine points if they won those two games. So it ain't done and dusted, but we're, that they are running out of games because there are only seven games left to play, the first of which in April is away to Birmingham. Very frustrating. Uh, Del Horno scores a goal which was ruled offside. He, he clearly wasn't. I mean, there were two people offside before it got to him, but it didn't matter because they weren't interfering with players, they used to say in the old days. Uh, dear old Crespo did miss a sitter, which was rather annoying. And, and quite frustratingly, too, this had crept in. Only one win in the last seven away games now. And that meant that United was seven points behind, having been 18 points behind. I, I asked the question, were we having a wobble? Uh, Mark has the answer to this because a certain Jose Mourinho was not feeling the pressure, was he, Mark? <laughs> he wasn't indeed. And it was a bit frustrating, this game against Birmingham, because we talked about the FA Cup quarterfinal. Birmingham were in the FA Cup quarterfinal and they'd been beaten 7-0 by Liverpool. So Birmingham were on the back of a 7-0 defeat and they got you know, got a draw against us. We, we should have beat them and then we'd have been a step closer. But that just encouraged Fergie because they'd closed that 15-point gap by winning their games in hand to start the mind games. Because it's now down to seven points. There's six games to go. Fergie, with the help of our friends in the press, the pressure is on Chelsea. But this is, for me, this is one of the funniest moments of the season because you, you had the issue, um, with obviously, the problem started in Scotland with bird flu. Um, so Mourinho just goes, when he talked about pressure, when he was asked at the press conference before the West Ham game, was he feeling the pressure? And again, just go into YouTube if you've never seen it and you're maybe too young. And he says, for me, pressure is bird flu. I'm serious. I'm feeling a lot of pressure with this problem in Scotland. It's not fun. And I'm more scared of the swans than the football. Yeah. Football is nothing compared with life. For me, bird flu is the drama of the last few days. I'll have to buy a mask. <laughs> but I wonder which PPE company he would have gone to to get it. <laughs> yeah, well, prescient as always, Mourinho. But yeah, yeah. quite right. Uh, I mean, he, he. I mean, you know, this should be remembered actually, because I think this is something. I mean, we have mentioned it, kind of. We've alluded to it, and I don't think that this gets talked enough, enough, uh, talked about enough about Mourinho. One of the brilliant things in his his uh, his uh, management of, of of Chelsea is the way that he deflected any sort of pressure off the players. He took it all on himself. You guys were mentioning what he did, in, you know, at Barcelona. I remember last uh, the last program we did the season before. He did it when uh, we played Bayern Munich, when he was sat with their crowd, and then he was doing this in the press all the time. He was the master at. at, at... People say, "Oh, it's because he's a narcissist." People say it's because he liked the attention. But he, he, he Mourinho is a very clever guy. He very seldom said anything without a reason, and his reason was usually to deflect the attention off the players and take the pressure off him. And he was an absolute genius at it, at it and we should remember that. Uh, I think the next game, in, in its own way, is a bit like the Blackburn game from the season before. And I shall tell you for why. It's a brilliant game, actually. I remember this well. West Ham at home. 
now we win 4-1. But in truth, we probably shouldn't have done at all. Uh, Collins scored... Actually, Collins, quite funny, because it was, it was James Collins with horrible red... Well, I wouldn't say horrible. There's nothing wrong with red hair, but he had a big crop of red hair. And, of course, I'm used to seeing him bald as a coot, of course, which he was later on in his career, wasn't he? It kind of shocked, shocked me, really. But uh, anyway, good old James Collins heads West Ham into the lead on 10 minutes. Uh, this is compounded by Manish getting sent off uh, on 17 minutes for, I shall put this in inverted commas, a tackle on Scaloni. Yes, that's Scaloni, the one who's just led uh, Argentina to the World Cup, uh, who's managing them. Um, it was a coming together. He might have been a bit late. There's no way. He didn't two-foot him. No way was it a red card. JK's agenda. Oh, guess who the manager was? Chris Foy from Merseyside. Yes. So we're down to 10 men. We're 1-0 down, 17 minutes gone. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. Didier Drogba was on fire that day. He scores a great goal uh, on 28 minutes. Crespo, who I think... Uh, I know Crespo started, actually, with Drogba. They, they, they he both, did, he yeah. did for the first time. That was the first season. time, wasn't it? Yeah. And Mourinho went all Mike Bassett on us. 4-4, four, four, Diamond 2. Yes. Almost. Oh, I, yes. I missed something out. 4-4 four, four fucking 2, that's right. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, he did. He he went. He really went for it. But anyway, Dropper and Crespo score 28 minutes, 31 minutes. Uh, John, So it's now 2-1. John Terry scores on 54 minutes and William Gallus scores on 69 minutes. But um, abs in Gallus exactly the same way. Exactly Ball's headed across. I mean, ball is in from a, a Lamps free kick, I think, and then um, and a Robin free kick, in fact. And then Drog heads down, Gallus runs into the six-yard box, stabs in. I mean, it was brilliant. We're down to ten men. We took West Ham apart. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it was a superb performance, and it showed a lot of balls, JK, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, particularly with going down to ten. You know, the, 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 the fact that they could reorganise so well was always terribly impressive like that. So, uh, um, didn't Robin run several of their players into the ground. I thought Robin had a fantastic game. Well, he came on for Crespo on 66 minutes. Yeah, but it was he, just, yeah. It was the perfect uh, time to come on a fresh pair of legs and their Robin legs who just is, is streets ahead of everybody. He, 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 he ran rings around them to give you a cliche. He yeah. did. No, they they did all right. Was, and I, I think that that, in a sense, was the game that really decided the title. Because I think it was like, okay, you, we can go a goal down, you can send somebody off, and we're still going to tear you apart. So up yours, Fergie. We don't have. We're and not. It, we're not feeling any pressure at all. We're more worried about swans. I think is what it said. Exactly. And I think the other thing about this game as well, it was the lunchtime kickoff, so it was the TV game. So we were on TV, and Manchester United were following on from us in the afternoon. So they, so as I think, as you said earlier, they'd reduced the lead down to seven points. So can you imagine Manchester United who were playing Arsenal after us, and we'd lost this game, and they think, oh, if we win this, we close the gap down to four points, and we've still got to get to Stamford Bridge. We could nick this. This is the game of the season. This is what wins us the title. Yeah. And despite Chris Hoy's best efforts, the same Chris Hoy who happened to send off Iron Robin earlier. At this year at the Sunderland away game for celebrating a goal. Yeah. It'd be good to look at Chris Foy's history and see how many times he sent Chelsea players off. Yeah, the other remarkable thing, and it is fresh in my mind because it only happened the other day, <laughs> so I can still remember it. Uh, 
if you look at Havertz's goal the other day against Bournemouth and the cross that comes in and Hazard slides in our first goal, Crespo's goal almost mirrors Havertz's goal from Bournemouth the other day. Drogba crosses, Crespo comes at the far post and scores our second goal of the game. History repeating itself. Absolutely. It was a, it was a, well, talking to history repeating itself, kind of, uh, our next match is, uh, of course, uh, at Bolton uh, away, mm. uh, which, of course, has resonance from the year before. Um, almost, almost to a year to the day. It's the 15th of April, so a little bit before it was uh, the previous year. So we weren't going to win the league there by winning. But guess what? We did win 2-0. And guess what? Lampard scored. Guess what? Lampard scored almost replica of one of the goals. Guess what? Lampard made a point of that by pointing to basically saying, I've done it again in the same spot. All very lovely. Um, now, were you there, JK? Yes. Yes, I was. Yes. Good memories of it? Uh, none. No memories whatsoever. OK, I shall move on to Mark. Mark, I know, has memories of it. Oh, oh, oh I do. And... Having having regretted forever missing out on the previous season and those sort of strange things, quirky things about football, the close proximity to the dates, as you just mentioned, from the previous year made damn sure I had a ticket to this game just in case we won the title at Bolton for two years in succession. But as you said, we didn't. And the strange thing was, had United not won their game before we play Everton next, We'd have been champions before we'd kicked the ball against Everton. But United did win and they carried on winning until, until we played them. Oh, it was a good, good trip up to Bolton. And the strange thing what I remember afterwards is actually going for a really nice Chinese in Chinatown in Manchester, Manchester's Piccadilly before getting the train back to London. So you're absolutely right. Lampard's goal was almost like, not just at the same end. It was almost identical to the goal he scored that won, won us the title. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But he round Yaskalainen again and just booted into the corner. I can't remember. Yeah, pretty much. Well, well, he he pretty pretty much did it. He didn't dribble round Yaskalainen. He actually sort of did that run for the first goal. When he dribbled round last year, that was the second goal. But but this goal, he actually he goes on that run and, and belts it past Yaskalainen almost from the same angle. Yeah, I remember him. I remember him pointing at the floor and saying, "I was here and doing this," and it'd be great. Mirth was created around us by people saying, "Yeah, Frank again, look, same place." Oh, and and I remember somebody crying again near me, as was before, but that appeared to be. Oh, no, it could have been, could have been the title, and loads of people brought up plastic Premier League trophies up to Bolton's ground at the Reebok, and it was it, it was a sort of celebratory atmosphere because again, although United won their game before we play Everton over Easter, the night before they played Sunderland to the bottom of the table. And we're going to get relegated. And Sunderland got a nil-nil draw at Old Trafford. So we went into that game with United having dropped two points. So we finished the game nine points clear of United. And there's four games to go. And we've got United at home. So people were already singing, we're going to win the league. Again. again. We're going again. to win the league. Again. Again. Yeah. There was no sure. People were, were really confident. We were, we, yeah, it was just a matter of time. I mean, we'd actually been singing it since West Brom. True, yeah. But uh, I think we kind of really, really knew that it was coming home again. Uh, next match at home, Everton. Uh, we always do well against Everton at home. This was no exception. Uh, pretty simple, really. Lampard on 28, Drogba on 62. Michael Essien scores an absolute... Well, what, what we would 
would I what I would say we would become we would expect of Michael Essien. I mean, you know, he'd get close to the goal and he would just. I mean, you know, Tuchel, if you recall, described uh, Reese James's kick like a horse kick, but Essien was much the same. And uh, you know, when he kicked that ball, it stayed kicked. So that was three nil. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, the tide seemed to be turning. Oh, is that Rob Styles again with another yellow card? Rob Styles quite liked sending other people off when we played uh, with him as the referee. And he sent Lee Carsley off for a horrible foul on Didier Drogba on 47 minutes. It's a straight way. What I loved about um, Carsley was he was like um, uh, an obvious pantomime villain for was, somebody. He? he sent off. You just thought all he does is is engage in very physical um confrontations with players and I tried to work out what the other reason was for his playing and I think he was a decent passer of the ball wasn't he but uh, you always knew there'd be some conflict when when uh, when Carsley was playing he probably just hate hated playing against us in his whole career Lee Carsley played Chelsea 18 times wow he only finished on the winning side once <laughs> <laughs> who, was, who was he playing for then? Everton when they beat us on someone. Oh, else. that's a good, good. Let's have a look, J.K. Derby County. Uh, yeah, and, and that's interesting, isn't it? With our absolutely shocking record against Everton, he never, he never was on a winning side for Everton <laughs> against us. That says, that says something, doesn't it? Says it all, doesn't it? Anyway, next up, FA Cup semi-final against the Red Scousers up at Old Trafford. Um. I didn't make it up there for this one. I can't for the life of me remember why now. I really can't. Probably because I was just sick of playing Liverpool, actually. That might have had something to do with it. But anyway, uh, as it turned out, I was right. Um, horrible match. Reese opened the scoring with a free trademark Reese a free kick on 21 minutes. Garcia scored, uh, well, either a worldie or a lucky hit, depending on your viewpoint. I would... I would uh, err to the latter on 53 minutes. Drogba pulled one back uh, on 70 minutes. And, 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 you know, it was the 10th time we played them in two seasons. Uh, it was our 14th semi-final in 13 years. Four diamond two. But interestingly, with Paolo Ferreira in midfield, it was never a goal. Uh, sorry, it was never a free kick for Issa's goal, by the way. Uh, JT didn't foul whoever it was who basically just bumped into him. Uh, JT had a, a goal chalked off, which was highly debatable. Best guess, by the way, the referee was Graham Pohl, which needs no explanation whatsoever. Gallus's error for Garcia's goal. I mean, he put it away well. I mean, there was not much Cudicini could do. And it was always going to be uphill, you know, when you're 2-0 down uh, with about half an hour to go. But uh, we did give it a, a whirl. Joe Cole blazed over the bar with seconds remaining. It was just, it was, you know, we, we've we been there before many occasions. It was one of those games, JK, wasn't it? Um, I don't understand why Ferreira played midfield. I, I don't still know. don't understand that either. And Essien played up front. I didn't understand that either. Um, I, I felt he, he actually... He was slightly spooked by playing Liverpool again. That was my view. And he, he tried to muck around with the formation. And I think he should just have played them as he'd ordinary had before because we had beaten them away 4-1. And, uh, and, I, I, and I know we'd drawn twice in the Champions League. And I, 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 think, he was, um, I think he was slightly spooked by this, by this uh, confrontation. Um, I don't think he felt that he had a way of consistently... Uh, beating Liverpool, so he he tried this this strange um, selection, which 
it, it made us very peculiarly um, more unbalanced, lopsided. Yeah, yeah. Mm, don't think it's and, a... I remember watching it and being um, dismayed. Actually, I was dismayed about what they seemed to be just not not the same side because of the the um, uh, almost the cack handedness of it. You know, the it was just all a little bit peculiar. And I felt he was clutching at straws playing them. So I think actually Benitez did get to him a bit, I'm afraid. I think it's a good take, JK. I mean, what do you say, Mark? Very frustrating. Um, he's sticking with 4-4-2, which is good. So we've still got Drogba and Crespo up front. But that midfield was just a bit weird. And again, I agree with Paolo Ferreira. It just seemed really strange team to pick. And we were awful for the first 45 minutes. Oh, really, oh, really. Absolutely dreadful. Probably probably one of the worst performances of the season. But yeah, in the second half, we were better. And the turning point is actually on the 50th minute. John Terry actually scores in the 50th minute, but Graham Pohl disallows the goal. Now, at that point, one all. I'd have taken us to win. But then Garcia scores a, a few minutes later. And we weren't coming back from 2-0. It was just frustrating we should have gone on to win the FA Cup. Yeah, we should have done the double this season. No mm. question in my mind. Liverpool get past us. They go to the Millennium Stadium. They beat West Ham. With that worldie from Gerrard in the last minute, wouldn't I it? Think, I, I think we'd have won the FA Cup. This was just so, so frustrating. Whether Mourinho had his eye more on just making sure we won the league the following against Man United, making those changes. But that, no criticism of Carlo Cudicini. He was our FA Cup goalkeeper. But we were just off colour for, you know, the first sort of 45 minutes. Uh, and then when we got back in the game, it was too late. You know, Drogba scored at 20 minutes ago. We had 30,000 up at Old Trafford. We had the Stretford end. We had all things in our favour. We just, there's something about Benitez and Liverpool just so frustrating. We've done the double over them in the league. And yet in cup competitions, they really did have the Indian sign on us, didn't they? Yeah, as, as was proven in the next few years as well, actually. Uh, exactly. It just, just for straight. We mm. should have done the double. No question in my mind. Mm. All right. Well, we had an opportunity, very, a very, a very early opportunity to uh, to set matters right uh, a week later on the 29th of April, uh, which is uh, uh, my mum's birthday, as it happens. But nevertheless, I found myself at Stamford Bridge. I have a very understanding mother. And quite right, too, because this is the match where we uh, should win the title, of course. And uh, brilliant, 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 brilliant match. Um, any kind of pre-match nerves were eviscerated on five minutes with uh, another William Gallus goal. Uh, a, a classic uh, William Gallus goal, as J.K. might say. But the best moment came on 61 minutes when my favourite player at the time, which was jo- Joseph Cole, did something that you pay money to go and watch football to see. He picks the ball up about 10 yards outside of the penalty area and he kind of drags it back and in the process almost puts Rio Ferdinand and uh, Nemanja Vidic on their arse, turns round and speeds towards goal and just absolutely wallops it past uh, Edwin van der Sar, making it 2-0 on 60 more minutes. It was pretty much game over then, apart from a lovely, a fantastic Carvalho goal where he started the move in just outside of his own penalty area. Uh, Passes it to Lampard. Lampard passes it to Cole. Carvalho had kept on running down the left-hand side. Cole spotted him in acres of space on his own, 
puts the ball straight across to him and Carvalho, one touch, moves inside and absolutely wallops it past uh, Edwin van der Sar to make it 3-0. Um, we'd gone back to 4-3-3, three, 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 so the 4-4-2 the four, four, had been ditched. Uh, Cole and Robin were on the wings. Um, so suitable that Cole had scored that goal. I think he was probably our player of the season, really. His celebration was just immense. I mean, the shirt came off. He did a. He went full Kets buyer by kicking the microphone at the the Matthew Harding end. He loved that goal, and I loved him for it. I've got a picture which you boys can't see of Cole holding the Premier League trophy from that season, uh, which DJ gave to me, bless him, and he'd got Joe Cole to sign it. So that's framed and up on the wall. But it always reminds me of that moment. One of my fa- that and the Gallus goal, uh, my favourite moments from this season. And I absolutely love Joe Cole. Um, Mark said some lovely things about Carvalho's goal, didn't you? Saying it was like it was like shades of Car- Carlos Alberto in the World Cup final of 1970, mate. Yeah, Carlos Alberto gets the final goal for Brazil on the right-hand side of the pitch, coming down that wing and blasting it in from the edge of the penalty area. Lord Percy, I thought, did the same coming down the left-hand side and blasting it in. I also agree about Joe Cole. For me, he was our player of the season. I know John Terry, no spoiler, lots of people remember gets voted by the Joe Cole was just superb this season. And that goal, whether you call it working man's ballet, working man's opera, whatever your preference is, that was a thing of beauty. And of course, in this match, Rooney does his metatarsal. Yes, yes. he does. Yeah, yeah, yes. I, yeah, I, do you know what? I forgot. Yeah. I, I remember that because, of course, yeah. again, JK, it's on our side. So we both had a very good view of that. Mm. And actually, it's quite quite appropriate, given that uh, we've just had a World Cup and, you know, my view about England is very different than it was in 2006. Because in this World Cup, I was about to go and do that programme where we, you know, did, did two programmes a day and I was absolutely embedded in it and loved it. And that's the reason why I don't, I don't give a shit about England anymore, because I, I, I've invested so many, so much emotionally in them. Uh, for that tournament to, to get let down. But arguably, this is what screwed it for England because Rooney had been brilliant in 2004 when, if he hadn't have been injured, I think we'd have won the European Championships. And he did his metatarsal, so the whole thing became metatarsal-driven. And, of course, he wasn't really fit when he turned up to 2006 in Germany. But I remember at the time, the reaction from the Chelsea supporters was like, yep. oh, you know, we knew then. And, that, it was and, like, he, and he got he got standing ovation yeah. when he was stretched off, all forty thousand people, and that's that the only time Rain Rooney got cheered at Stamford Bridge because people realised yeah. the significance. He was, yeah, he was England's talisman for that two thousand six World Cup, and everybody knew, yeah. you know, the significance of that metatarsal injury. But it's like really unusual, J.K., isn't it, yeah. for a, a player to get injured, an opposition player to get injured, and, and the whole ground to go. <gasps> you could hear the intake of breath, couldn't you? Everybody appreciated what a decent player he was, and he was he was England's talisman. Yeah. He was England's, he was. We thought if anybody could could get us through the any kind of rounds at all in the World Cup, it was going to be him. Yeah. And there was a period where they were trying to blame Gallus. I think it was that Gallus. Yeah, it was Ferreira. Ferreira. Pala Ferreira. Yeah. But they were trying to make out that it was his fault and he'd done it deliberately, and it was just a. Well, it's bullshit because if you watch it, like we all have, there was there was hardly any contact. I don't know how he managed to break it, but I think he broke it in the fall. Because I don't think Ferreira kicked his metatarsal at all. No, uh, it, it was a fair attack by Ferreira. I, I thought at the time they were saying one of the problems, and it's probably still relevant now, 
is the boots professional footballers were wearing at that time in terms of protecting their feet. And a lot of metatarsal injuries, they're also putting down to the sort of the thinness of the boots. Mm. You know, they're wearing, you know, where go back 30 years, people did not get metal tarsal injuries. They, they were wearing much more thicker football boots. They were wearing miners' boots, that's right. right. They were wearing wearing obnailed boots, in fact. They were uh, studs put in by your grand. With steel toe caps. Come straight from, came straight from the pit to the game. But up north, up north, they were still wearing clogs made of wood. Clogs with studs in them put right. in by you. And you had to have right. Studs? Metal. Studs? You were lucky. They had nails. Didn't have socks. Hard. You had a metal, metal sheath you put your foot in. All right. And served as a shin pad. All right. All right. Shorts, didn't have shorts at all. You had, you had, right. uh, you had canvas stitched with ball bearings. <laughs> anyway, I mean, look, cutting to the chase, we won the title that day. Put the champagne on ice. We we're winning the title twice. Was the song that was kicking the doing the rounds. Um, we'd won it with two games to spare. We had the best home top flight record in a hundred years. We were the eighth club to win back to back titles. Only Liverpool and United had done so since the 50s. It was Jose's fourth straight title win. And, of course, it was our last home match. Very appropriate that we managed to wrap it up at home rather than having to fuck off to Blackburn and do it. Um, So there was a big celebration afterwards. Lovely sunny day, by the way. And uh, this is the one where where, uh, Mourinho threw both his jacket and his medal into the Matthew Harding lower, JK. Yes. I remember whether it was ominous. Or not. I did wonder that at the time. Yes, at the time I mentioned it. I thought, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Does this mean he's on his bike? Because he did that with his Porto medal as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I was uh, I was trepidatious. I think Darren Mantle knows the person who, who, who got the medal, actually. I remember at the time him, him being full of, uh, as Darren was always full of great stories, and he, I think he knew it. But there you go. Uh, we won the title. Brilliant. Back-to-back titles. I got a T-shirt with back-to-back uh, title winners on it, as I was wont to do in those days. Me too. Fuck knows what I've done with it. I, think I my, know exactly where mine is. My wife has a habit of throwing these out. I mean, actually, recently, that would I, you know, the, the chance of me fitting into it again were highly remote. But, of course, now I'm so svelte I could fit into it again. To keep it in its plastic bag and never wear it. But she's done this with so many. I had some great, you know, punk T-shirts back in the day, and she threw them all out. Oh, he's not going to wear those again. Out they went. Fuck's sake. Anyway, um, we might as well wrap the program up here because the next two matches were so <laughs> fucking stupid. Classically, Mourinho actually once he'd done the job, he just didn't give a shit. And we then follow up uh, all the record breaking by losing away. Uh, consecutively both to Blackburn and Newcastle 1-0 uh, in, uh, Blackburn Reed uh, scored after 43 minutes it was Del Horno, Crespo and Good Johnson's final appearances Newcastle, Titus fucking Bramble scored on 73 minutes but, but what a goal he scored, it was Titus a great goal. Bramble it was a great goal, it was yeah. a great goal uh, there was uh, a red card for Carr, uh, there was a debut for James Smith, it was the final appearances of Lenny I almost said Lenny Henry. It might as well have been. Uh, Lenny Pidgeley in goal. James Smith, Manish, Damien Duff, Colton Goal, William Gallus, Robert Huth all played their final matches. I've got to be honest, boys. I mean, just to, to, to quickly talk about these two matches. I have to say, this used to really annoy me about Mourinho, that he would just long it off. After, after everything was won, it, okay, that's it. Don't give a shit now. 
I always felt that that was what was going on. Whether I'm right or not, I don't know. But I mean, the teams weren't that bad. I mean, against Blackburn, it was Cudicini in goal, fair enough. Del Horno, Carvalho, Manish, Lampard, Crespo, Gallus, Geramai, Diara, Good Johnson, Sean Wright. I mean, it's kind of a seventy percent of a, of the first team. Newcastle, it was Lenny Pidgeley, Glenn Johnson. Sorry, Glenn Bad Johnson. Ricky Carvalho, Manish, Joe Cole, Damian Duff, William Gallus, Robin, Diara, Ferreira, Robert Huth. You know, it's the minus Drogbateri and Lampard and Czech. You know, it's it's, it's significant it's already when those yeah. four aren't playing that we become a bit average. Now it takes Reese James for us to look average. Back in those days, you had to remove four players. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. It's all a bit, all a bit near towards the end. But I mean... We are being massively churlish. We still we still ended up on 91 points, the third highest total ever posted in the Premier League at that time. Uh, 29 wins matched last year's record total. Uh, and Chelsea uh, were champions again. How utterly lovely. To summarise things, um, you know, in a funny old way, I think we, we won it at the start of the season. I mean, it was a barnstorming start of six wins with no goals conceded. And I think Mourinho set out to do it, actually. I think that's what he set out to do. Put us top and leave everyone in our wake. And we did. We stayed there all season, which I think is incredible. And as I said in part one, a newspaper actually offered a reward for the first opponent to score against Chelsea. We spent 257 days at the top, which was second only to Man United in the 93-94 season. I would say of this particular team and of this particular title win, I I liked this title win a lot. Okay, you can't beat winning it the first time, I know that. But I like the bollocks about winning it back-to-back and doing it again because I think a lot of people just thought, oh, Chelsea will just win it once and then they'll fuck off. No, mate. We are well, here to stay. There was still this period going through, sorry to interrupt you, there was still this thing that it was Roma Abramovich's plaything yeah. and that somehow we would just get tired of it and... And not care anymore and leave it alone <clears throat> or fall apart. That's what people were hoping, of course. Yeah, they were wrong. They were completely wrong. Well, what, um, but I, I was disappointed, though, with this season. Just well, because... Can you wait and tell me that in a minute? Because I just want to do the... I'm so sorry. You need to mop it up. I do. Because... I just wanted to like run through this and then we can have a good old natter. All right. About... No, that's all right. That's right. I mean, I thought that with this season, we were relentless, resourceful and tactically astute. And, and, and I think we can now say, and I, JJK may well... This might be the seed of his disquiet, actually. But I think that 2004-2006 team is arguably one of the greatest English teams that we've ever seen. I think they were, they are up there with that. Robin Free of, of, of injury was at his best. Joe Cole had the season of his life for us. Drogba scored 16 goals and was away on African Cup duty. Crespo's 13 in 42 appearances, as I said in part one, went totally under the radar. He was superb. Lampard, of course, imperious. 20 goals as a midfield player. Now, okay, we now know that he went on and did it every bloody season, but it was unheard of at the time. Uh, He equaled the top number of appearances of 50 with John Terry. Terry, as we know, was made uh, Player of the Year. Diara, Young Player of the Year. Makaleli, Players Player of the Year. Makaleli, very unheralded this season. We should talk about that. I would agree with JK on one thing, and Mark particularly, disappointing in the Cups. Should have got to the final and probably won the FA Cup. Disappointing in the Champions League, but then again it was Barcelona. Charlton on pens in the first round of the Carling Cup. Well, it does happen. Um, I do feel, though, 
uh, that we were we could and should have won it all. We were that good. Uh, so not as good as the previous season, really, in that respect, but pretty bloody good. Um, so there we go. I mean, that would be my summary. But JK, I'd, I want to hear your disquiet. Well, no, I... I... What you said about Makaleli not being mentioned, he played 40 times. I know, but we hardly mentioned him at all in two parts, have we? Yeah, yeah, and we have to because he was um, a phenomenal um, midfielder protecting the the defence just out front and this brilliant crab-like ability he had of dispossessing people that was just just this side of legal. You just... I kept thinking he's he's scragged him. He's got hold of him and he somehow... But no, he got his toe in and he'd pushed the ball away. He was... um, he was a completely brilliant player, an essential part of this this lineup. Um, uh, Cole played forty seven times. He had an absolutely brilliant season, but came on frequently as a sub as well. It wasn't um, uh, it, it wasn't all um, uh, it, it, it wasn't a a first choice. I felt um, Cole is that the correct way of saying it, Chidge? He was he was in and out, wasn't he? I played forty seven times. I presume that starts. It's, it's not necessarily. With subs as well. I mean, does it say how many there are? Yeah, it does. Played, I mean, it, 34, 34 starts. Yeah. 34 starts. Okay, yeah. Um, but um, Frank was wonderful. Crespo was brilliant. Uh, uh, um, it, it, I mean, absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, it's slightly despair that Kesman had replaced him the season before. I don't understand why that happened. Because it would have changed the, the fact that he went to Milan would have changed the whole thing. And, and obviously we still owned him and they decided rather than buying another striker, they'd just bring Crespo back. But I think that was an error on Mourinho's part or whoever decided at the beginning of the season that they would keep, they would allow Crespo to go on loan an absolutely bizarre state of affairs. Cause, uh, uh, and yet, you know, they had Good Johnson who was who, the season before who was playing out of his skin. And this season, um, he, he was similarly a great player, but because they had Crespo and Drogba absolutely playing superbly he didn't play as much as we'd have liked but at the same time he has to make a selection doesn't he the we had robin who was the victim of several ridiculous refereeing decisions and was being victimized by um players and the media in this period uh but i i really would have liked i i felt that the the two liverpool games in the champions league um the two nil nil draws uh were were shouldn't should have been avoided by Mourinho. I know his big thing was it didn't matter who you played in the Champions League, you had to beat them. But well, it, it, do, put, it does when you end up with bloody Barcelona. Indeed, it puts a completely different spin on it when you finish second yeah. and you're then vulnerable to being drawn, whether illegally or whatever, drawn against one of the top sides. And uh, um, and I think that was where he made a mistake in those two games. And I know it was unlucky because Liverpool had been allowed in because they'd won the the Champions League, and they changed the law, didn't they, to allow them to come in, and they played in our group, which was never has never happened again because you're not supposed to play against a team from your own league in the in the group. But um, that was where somehow he took his eye off the ball, Mourinho, for me, as he did once again against Liverpool in the in the the cup semi final, which we should have won. He should have said should have won the double this year. So the two other main, I didn't mind as much about the ridiculousness of the of the League Cup. Um, because we Charlton weren't bad, and I think he put out a slightly weaker team, if I remember, and they got to one-one, and we lost on penalties. But you know, um, uh, it, with this side, which was a, a step up, I felt from the season before, we should actually have gone further in all these competitions. So I, I had a, I had regret 
at the end of the season. And I think you're right. I think he, I think he may have um, decided he wanted to win the league above everything. And I think particularly the FA Cup semi-final, because that was just an absolutely bizarre performance against Liverpool. I think, I think he got slightly spooked by, by Benitez. I can't quite believe that somebody as brilliant as Mourinho would have, that would have happened to him, but I think it did. Um, but uh, they were, they were a, um, a wonderful, wonderful side, nonetheless. Um, but this, it's you know, my the, the child in me wants us to win everything with a with a brilliant side. No, but I, I agree with you. I, I I mean, it's not. I don't think it was as good as the season before. No, no. But I think it was pretty players... bloody good. But it wasn't as good because I think I think we were. I mean, as I said, I mean, it's not like me, J.K. I'm the epitome of reasonableness when it comes to winning stuff. But I had a feeling that we could and should have won it all. I think we were that fucking good as a team. I mean, you know. I don't think that's. I don't say this lightly. That the two thousand and four six mark of Chelsea is one of the greatest English teams that we've ever seen. We were that good, and to come away with just the league, uh, the league title seems a bit short change, really. What, what, what do you say, Mister Meehan? Uh, I, I agree. Um, there's a few ifs and buts during the course of that season because if you think how we finished, ninety one points, and the previous year when we broke all records, we finished at 95. If we hadn't faffed about for those last two games, so there is a bit where, and I know that was Mourinho because he said he would make some changes once we won the league. Our last two games are away to Blackburn and away to Newcastle. If we picked up four points from those two games, which, to be honest, is realistic, the way we played during the course of the season, we'd have finished with 95 points, same as the previous season which we were exceptional. And we dropped a few silly points along the way. We talked about Charlton. We should have won at Birmingham away. So we were only four points from equaling the previous season's records and actually only two wins from beating it. They were, they were that good. As I said earlier, we only dropped points at home to Charlton. We could have gone the whole... So that's I mean, a lot of ifs. Yeah. We could have gone the whole season unbeaten. 19 games, won every single game at home. When was the last time a team done that to win the league, to win all of their home games, not drop a single point? That would have been remarkable. 18 wins, one draw is still remarkable nonetheless. It's a bit of bad luck, I'd say, in terms of the Champions League, because the previous season, we actually won the group stage and still met Barcelona. And Liverpool obviously won the group, and they drew Benfica in the next round, and Benfica knocked them out. So, yeah, and then Barcelona knocked Benfica out. But I would have, uh, yeah, if we'd played Benfica over two legs, I think we'd have beaten Benfica. And Liverpool was still at that stage where they weren't quite you know, where where they are now. They were good under Benitez. They were better than they were the previous season, but they still finished in third place, you know, nine points behind. But the FA Cup was frustrating. We should have beaten them in the FA Cup. I can, I can take the drawing in the Champions League. Champions League games can be very intense. And you think at that point in the season, getting through the Champions League is probably the mo- most important thing. League Cup penalties, that's a fluke. This was an exceptionally good Chelsea side. Even though we used a lot of players during the course of the season, there was almost like a hardcore 11 who played the majority of the games and then a squad of 16. And then you had sort of players like Jeremy and Hoof and Carlton Cole and Glenn Johnson who played the occasional game. But you had a hardcore squad of 16 players throughout that season where Mourinho predominantly used. But there was 11. You know, the 11 that made the most appearances, Terry, Lampard, 
Joe Cole, Gallus, Crespo, Essien, Czech, Drogba, Makaleli, Robin and Duff. Yeah, not a bad team, yeah. is it? That's not a bad, not a bad <laughs> team. Yeah, this this was a very good Chelsea side. We won the league, and we won the league with games to spare. We could have won it on another day at Bolton and done it at Bolton two years running. It, it wasn't to be. This was a season of maybes. Yeah, may, maybe we could have won the FA Cup. Maybe we could have won the Champions League. We were just unlucky during Barcelona, but. We played some of our best football over those two games at Barcelona at Stamford Bridge with 10 men True. and trying to pull back the impossible over the new camp. Yeah. Well, they had Can a you remind what the Robin and Duff song was? I've, it's got, gone from my mind. Wasn't it just Damien Duff and I and Robin? No, uh, yeah. Was there, was there a more Robin, creative Damien. one than that? No, it was. It was just Iron Robin, Damien Duff. Iron, Iron Robin, Robin, Damien, Damien Duff. Damien Damien. Yeah. No, I thought there was a more complicated one. No. I've been overdoing it in my head. I think they might have done a a, a, a one of like Iron Robin, Damien Duff running down the wing, uh, a bit like the one that we used to sing about gigs, but with the without the uh, you know. Yeah. It was like Damien Duff. Yeah, was it Damien Duff and Iron Robin? Damien Duff yeah. and Iron Robin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And right. done very quickly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one and then the... it became Iron Robin, Damien. It, it, it was so quick, you didn't know which one was first. <laughs> yeah. One thing I would say, you know, and this is really picking up on what JK said about Mourinho throwing his medal into the Matty Harding lower. lower. I, I wonder if we had seen, I mean, I know I, I said earlier that he was a master at deflecting attention and taking pressure off the players, which is which should be applauded. But I also wonder whether there was a bit of a fortress slash bitchy Mourinho emerging. I got this quote uh, from... from uh, I'm not quite sure when he made it, but obviously during the season. But maybe maybe the antipathy towards Chelsea and him and some of the players was getting to him. And he said, everybody was waiting for Chelsea not to win every game. And one day, when we lose, there will be a holiday in this country. But we're ready for that. Now, if if you'd have said to me that Jose said that in 2015-16, I'd have believed you. But he said that in 2005-06. You know what I mean? Plus, there were quite a lot of dogged one nils. There were a lot of sending-offs. Del Horno, Gallus, Manish, Carvalho, Robin twice. I mean, okay, we know that a lot of them were absolutely spurious. So maybe that's a bit rotten to, to level this accusation. But 93 yellow cards? So I wonder, I mean, you know what we what 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 Mourinho said when he arrived, which was, I want to build a team in my image with my personality. But I wonder if the darker element of that personality was beginning to come through a bit. I don't know. What do you think, boys? Uh, I, it was beyond me at that time to make an assessment. I have to say, this is this I, is easy to say with hindsight. I totally yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that I loved the way that we wouldn't be bullied by teams, me and if too. they came at us, we would show that side of us. You know, on a rainy day up north, we would compete exactly the same as the the, the clogging northern side who, who loved the rain, supposedly, allegedly. Um, uh, no, I was sort of finding my way with them. And um, and and finding, I suppose, finding, reveling in the first season because I'd never seen anything like it. And the second season, slightly finding fault because I began to understand what he was trying to do more, 
and was discovering more about him and discovering more about the the way that the media seemed to have it in for us mm. and this this aspect of um we'd bought the league it still carries on it carried on for many seasons after that mm. and uh and, and and the the hatred that so many teams had and the, the the desire then to believe that chelsea had had no history before the arrival of Mourinho and uh and Roman Abramovich um, is is fueled by these successes. Yeah, do you know? Do you know what, Mark? This this is that's a really good point, J.K. I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't mean to kind of dismiss what you were saying, but uh, do you know what this this season was like, Mark? This was like the difficult second album that actually, you know, maybe we don't respect it enough at the time, but actually, many years later, we realised that it was actually a classic. Absolutely, a bit like Iron Maiden's Killers album. Everyone talks about Iron Maiden's first album. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. I, okay, second album, second album syndrome. Killers was Iron Maiden's second album, and everyone talks about Iron Maiden's first album. Well, actually, well, you would. I wouldn't. I would. Even, I, would, yeah, I, wouldn't I, would even, I would. I wouldn't even give it the time of day myself. But you know, I'm thinking. I'm thinking um, the second Stone Roses album. Yeah, I'm the second think... Terence Trent Derby album. No, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't give that the time of day either. I'm thinking the and second we, we Oasis. The second yeah. Oasis. You know, what's the story? Morning Glory. Yeah, yeah. You know, difficult second album. Actually, is probably much it's better, better than, than the first. Yeah, it's definitely. Than the first. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, definitely. You know, yeah. I think there's yeah. quite a lot of albums that we could uh, put out there and, and say that. But I think it's, it was that kind of season. I mean. You know, the first season was just triumphant, and and we we ex- that that Mourinho esque team exploded onto the scene. We kind of knew what to expect this season, and sometimes it didn't quite hit the right notes. But I think if we look back at it, uh, you know, a, a long time hence now, nearly twenty years yeah, ago, it's, it's like the Jam, like the Jam's first album, come flying out the blocks in the city. Great album. This is the modern world. Oh, I think this is the modern world is a great album. And then the third album was just absolutely brilliant. No more thought. heroes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, people usually come up with a great debut album, that difficult second album, as you say. And then the third album for many bands. Give them enough is rope. Us- is usually their best album of all time. Yeah. Well, the, so third, again, the third album? The third, the third album for many bands is yeah. usually their best album. Yeah. So you look at The Clash's first album, then you've got to give them enough rope. And then they come in with London Calling. But you don't get, get London Calling without giving them enough rope. Exactly. So yeah. you don't. So you, yeah, you, your school of thought would probably be you don't get the two thousand six seven Chelsea without the two thousand five six. But obviously, the two thousand six seven Chelsea doesn't quite turn out the way we hoped. Yeah, but what does happen is we get the two thousand and six seven seven eight eight nine uh, nine ten eleven twelve. You know, that's what we got. I think because actually, that's in a way, I think what we're saying is that if. You know, this year might not have been as pleasurable for us or, or as trophy-laden as we perhaps expected or, or wanted. But this, this you know, this Mourinho-esque team set the standard for Chelsea for the next nearly 10 years. Yeah, and to be fair to Mourinho, and the history will show it, he's probably burnt a few bridges with his stints at Man United and that team in North London. But I think time is a great healer. And I think if you fast forward a few years' time, I don't know if it would happen. You know, having a chat about this um, at the game the other day, you know, a statue at Stamford Bridge Mourinho. He's the greatest manager we've ever had and and will ever have. We will not get somebody better. Yeah, had this chat walking up to the pub with Andy Cairns, our good friend Mr Cairns, having exactly this chat about a statue of Mourinho. And I just thought, do you know what? Yeah, he's the best ever manager this club has ever had. 
forget what he did at Man United in Tottenham. These seasons, but he built a foundation, as you say, for Chelsea for future years, for many years to come. But also, it's the it's the scope of his personality because he was what the club needed and deserved. He's a winner. Yeah, players that he had. Yeah, and also the entertainment value was supreme, and his ability to uh, communicate, um, obviously with the players, but also with the media, and and create a persona that many people hated, but at the same time was. Um, uh, you know, top top media business. He was just he was they they flocked round him for quotes. Is the kind of manager that Chelsea should have. Stardust. Yeah. Now exactly. now we've got sawdust. Yeah yeah yeah. I, I I got a lot of flack saying he was like a a thirteen year old who'd um, um, won a competition to manage. Um, <laughs> To Premier League. I'm afraid so. Anyway, listen. Let's not go down that route. That can wait for when we're back. Uh, doing uh, you know the season again but uh, boys as always it's been an absolute fucking pleasure talking about this season with you two as it always is um, I've really really enjoyed it I hope the punters enjoy it half as much as we do and uh, if they do then uh, then I'm sure they, they will be very happy people um, but we need to say goodnight uh, Mark as always mate you've been an absolute superstar on this we, we love having you on these it's taken it to a whole new level because you can remember stuff and JK and I can't <laughs> I don't think you two do a bad job at remembering stuff as well I, I think this was the superb season nudged by you Mark nudged by you that's what happens you say something and I go oh yeah oh yeah I remember that now yeah 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 <laughs> but, but I think tremendous season with some remarkable moments from some remarkable players with a remarkable manager I know John Terry got player of the year. Joe Cole was my player of the year. But the player that gave me the most joy this season, said it on the last show, was Hernan Crespo. Hernan Crespo, Hernan so, so Crespo, hello, hello. Fucking loved him. Great player. Loved watching yeah. him. Just watching him for 90 minutes was... And we didn't see him play for us again. Yeah, Fucking I know. terrible. I know. Anyway, on that really depressing note, I'm going to say goodbye. Apart from the fact I'm going to say thank you to JK for, as always, being an absolute rock on these shows. And uh, he, you're right, Mark. He remembers far more than he likes to admit. Even he, I probably do too, but, uh, you know, without without the three of us remembering the weird shit that we remember, it wouldn't be quite the same show. So well done to both of you. Uh, you lot out there, uh, I hope, as I said, you've enjoyed it half as much as we've enjoyed doing them. Uh, and like James Bond, uh, the 50 Years of Chelsea series from the Chelsea fan cast will return. I'm not sure when, but it will return. It will return. But until then, we'll see you back for the normal stuff very, very soon. Uh, take care of yourselves and... Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.